Blog Talk Radio. We are all the 
Praise you, Lord. Why? Because he loves you. He cares for you. Praise you, Lord. And would like to have you close to him. Thank you, Jesus. Close as a brother, as a son, as a servant. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. That, that, that eternity is beautiful. I've been there around three times so far. And men, praise you, Lord. It's so beautiful. Eternity is it's a great Endless planning, brothers and sisters. It is way bigger than our galaxy. There is no planet in our galaxy that can be compared to eternity. Eternity is bigger than our galaxy. I don't know if you've seen videos of how big our planets in our galaxy. They are billions and trillions bigger than Earth. But not even those planets can compare to eternity. Don't miss going to eternity, because if you if you if you're one of those that love to have a lot of land, you're going to have a lot of land. Jesus, you're going to have an endless land for yourself. If if you're one of those that like to have a lot of land, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. So prepare to go home with Jesus. Don't stay down here. Don't shalom there, brother. Don't stay for anyone. Don't try to please your family. Your wife or your husband or your mother or your father staying here in the great tribulation with them. Praise you, Lord. Don't stay for them. Praise you, Jesus. As a mother wrote to me a, a couple of years ago, uh, Brother LB, uh, thank you, Jesus. I want to stay in the tribulation for my son. They're backsliding. And, you know, uh, I want to stay for them. I know the Lord wants to take me home. She said, but I want to stay for my sons because they're backsliding. And I said, dear sister, I wrote back to her, dear sister, why would you do such a thing? You, you will be better praying for them in heaven, out there for them. Where, you know, think about it, brothers and sisters. You're going to be seeing Jesus face to face. You can, throw, you can go to the throne of Father God. Why would you want to stay down here in the tribulation for your family, thinking that you can help them, thinking that you can do so much more down here. Oh, BG, now this is. Don't think this way, brothers and sisters. Praise you, Lord. You can always do more with God by your sight. You can always do more with God by your sight. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Greater is he that is in you, the him that is in the world. You you imagine in heaven, you have Jesus inside your life, and you are with Jesus right in front of you. How much more will you be able to do up in heaven, seeing God face to face, say, God, my sons are down there on earth. I ask you, Father, to please do not forsake them. Please help them. Help them, Father. And Father gets to look at you and smile and say, I ain't helping them right now. Right now. Praise you, Lord. They, they can be struggling so much. They can be being chased by demons. In order to start, they're being protected. They're being helped. Praise the Lord. Strength come from them to them from heaven because of your prayer. Praise you, Lord. There's so much, so, so much you can do from heaven. Why would you stay in the great tribulation for someone else? Come on. Come on, come on, come on. You can be smarter than that. You can be smarter than that, please. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord is so good. Praise you, Jesus. 
Mark chapter 6, verse 1 said, And he departed hence and came unto his own country. His disciples followed him. There's Jesus, there's Rabbi Jesus, heading to his own country, heading, heading to his own people. Don't be surprised if this happens to you when you head to your own people, because it happened to Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Verse 2. And when the Sabbath was come, he began to teach in the synagogue and decided to, to, to visit them in the weekend. Praise you, Lord. And many that heard him were astonished and said, From him, from when that this man, how this man these things? And when and what wisdom is this that is given unto him that even such great works are done by his hand? Thank you, Lord. And and the great great work of God through Jesus Christ is still being done. As you pray, God moves. As you pray, God answers your prayer. As you pray for your family, as you pray for the lost, God is moving to save them. Never stop praying for the lost. Pray always for the nation, for the lost, because God is always doing something when we ask. Verse 3. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. Praise you, Jesus. Verse 3, it is, it is not this the carpenter of Mary's son. This is not the carpenter of Mary's son, the brother of James and Joseph. And Judah and Simon are not his sister here with us. They were, hallelujah, offended in him. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. And we are blessed when we're not offended in the Lord. We need to be very careful we don't get offended for silly things. Because some people, they get offended for silly things. And these people were offended because of what Jesus was doing under the power of mighty God. These people got offended. Brothers and sisters, be careful you're not offended. I try the best I can not to offend anyone. And if I have, I'm sorry. Apologize. I'm so sorry if I have offended you at any time or any, any occasion. I'm trying my best not to offend anyone. Praise the Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, God. And Jesus also loved these people. He was not trying to offend them. He was trying to save them. He was saving them. He was doing miracles. Because some people would not believe the word. They would not receive the word. So by the miracle, some people were being saved. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Verse 4. And Jesus said unto them, A prophet, it is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kindred, in, in his own house. So don't be surprised when you go to your own family and you share the gospel. In order to some people get offended, people don't want to hear you, or people criticize you, or people come against you. This happened to Jesus and the disciples. And Surely it's going to happen to us. But praise the Lord, continue to pray for them. Don't give up. Some people have write to me and said, Brother Elby, uh, I've been preaching the gospel to my family, sharing the gospel with my family, and some have gotten offended and don't want to, hallelujah, they don't want to hear me no more. What can I do for my family, for my lost family? And I said, what about praying for them? But some people have not considered how powerful prayer is, brothers and sisters. 
they have not considered the power of prayer. The power, hallelujah, of the prayer of the righteous that avails so much. Some people have not considered the power of prayer. That even their own salvation came to be because someone got spoke to to pray for you. Someone got told to pray for you. And you're saved today. You're serving God today because someone prayed for you. That someone might be dead now. My God's to heaven now. But God heard the prayer of the righteous and saved you and I. Brothers and sisters, I know I came to the Lord also because the Lord promised my father, by my end, my family, pray for me constantly, brothers and sisters. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. The prayer of the righteous avail much. If your family don't want to hear you when you share the gospel, praise the Lord. Don't get offended. Don't get hurt. Don't give up on them, but pray for them. Do something greater than your word. Are you listening? Do something greater than your message to them. Pray for them. Intercede for them. If you like, if you like to begin to fast for your children, your husband, your family, praise your Lord. Shalom, Sister Israel. Fast for them. Go into fasting for them in prayer. And watch how God will, will, change, will begin to work in their heart and their life. Praise you, Jesus. Convict them of their sins. Hallelujah. And help them to come to the gospel, to the truth. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. There you go. Your other brother pray for you. Thank you. Not you what the Lord, but now you came to the Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Never give up on people. Do something greater than your own word. Pray for them. Verse 5. And he could there do not great work than the gospel. Say he lay his hand upon a few sick folks and healed them. You see, I heard a preacher one time say, Oh, Jesus never laid hand on anyone. I don't know what, what Bible he had, but my Bible said that he did lay hand upon a, a few sick folks, brothers and sisters. He laid hand on people, my Bible says. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. I course he laid hand on people. He did so much for people. He, do, he did everything he knew that would be powerful enough to reach the, the lost, brothers and sisters. And that's what the bride of Christ, we need to learn from our, our rabbi, our master, Lord Jesus Christ. He, he went all the way for anyone in different ways to reach out to right where they are to save them, brothers and sisters. He, you know, they, he could not do great work there, brothers and sisters. But that didn't stop Jesus from doing something else. If you don't have wisdom, ask God for wisdom. Thank you, Lord. If, if you lost your idea on how to reach out to people, ask the Lord. Get into the Word and ask Jesus, Lord, how else, what else I can do, Lord, to reach out to these people, Lord? I, I'm out of idea, Lord. Be honest. And tell the Lord that you're out of idea. You don't know how to reach out to them no more. You try talking to them. They don't want to listen to you. you you've been doing this. You've been doing that. And they don't want to listen to you. Praise you, Lord. Well, Jesus, hallelujah, could not do great works there, you know, like walking by, hallelujah, and, and, and just by, by, by 
Praise the Lord, they were healed. Well, not there. This, this was not happening there. Praise the Lord. Or, or just or just saying the word. In room, they were healed. No, this this was not happening there. This was not happening there, brothers and sisters. So what else could Jesus do for them? Praise the Lord. I know what. I'm going to lay hands. I'm going to lay hands. Praise the Lord. And he didn't lay hands on, every, on everyone. Read what the word says. He lay his head upon a few. A few. Out of those lost to the whole town. He only laid head upon a few. Praise the Lord for his wisdom. And he he had no problem. He wanted to lay head on them. Praise the Lord and heal them. Praise the Lord. Whatever reason why the rest of the people he could not lay head. Maybe they didn't want they didn't want him to pray for them. Praise the Lord. But that's okay. Don't be offended. Oh, I'm a man of God. I'm a woman of God. You don't want me to lay hand on you. I rebuke you. Don't be offended. Don't be offended. Praise you, Lord. Don't be offended. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. I've, I've been preaching in, in, in a few churches, brothers and sisters. And I'm, I'm in the pulpit. And the power of God is there. Jesus is standing right beside me so the children can see the Lord there. Praise the Lord. And Jesus was there. Praise you, Lord. And after some people came forward, I would, I would, I would, I would uh, hallelujah, stretch my hand to them. And the power of God will come to some of them, and they will fall on the floor under the power of God. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. But I know that some people, they're not wanting to come forward. They want to pray, but they did not want to come forward. I had no problem than getting up on the pulpit and going right, right to right where they were, and just lay hand on them. You know, when, when, when the Lord is using me under his power, I have learned not to lay hand on people. I don't like to touch people when I'm under the power. Let me tell you why. Because people in the churches think that the preacher got to touch you, and then you fall under the power. No. The Lord for many years has let me not to touch people, and they still fall under the power. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And I love, hallelujah, to see that. Praise you, Lord. So to a lot of people, I keep my hand a few a few inches away. Praise you, Lord. And just move my hand, and the power comes. If they're sick, they get healed. They get baptized. Praise the Lord. And a lot of people are looking at me like, uh, they're expecting me to lay hand. If I don't lay hand, Praise the Lord, because I'm not the one healing them. It's the Lord doing it. You see, and I understand that. That it's the Lord doing it. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. So what I do is, thank you, Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm stretching my hand to you in the chat room right now. So you're listening at home. I'm stretching my hand to you right now. I don't need to touch you. Praise you, Lord. But I'm going to ask the Lord right now to touch you. Lord Jesus, those that are home right now, Lord. Lord Jesus, give them a fresh anointing, Lord. Give those that are listening, Lord. Lord, I ask you to go to right where they are, Jesus, and touch them over the shoulder, over their head, Lord, the forehead. Lord Jesus, their back, if they have a back pain, I, back pain, I bind you, and I command you to go in Jesus' name. I command back pain to go. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. If you're having stomach problems, Stomach pain right now. I speak to your stomach. Hallelujah to your stomach. Hallelujah. According to the word of God right now, to be healed. 
by the stripe of Jesus, by the wound of Jesus. I'm searching my hand to your stomach right now, and I command healing to go over your stomach now, your veins, praise you, Lord, your muscle, praise your tendons, your bones right now, to be alive by the word of God, that you will receive healing right now in Jesus' name. There you go. Thank you, Jesus. Some people can feel the anointing, can feel the healing going through. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Fresh anointing over my sister right now. I trick my hand right where she is, right there in California, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Let your anointing come up right now, Lord Jesus. Fresh anointing from heaven. Lord Jesus, you touch them, Lord. You touch them, Lord. This thing is nothing to you. You created this thing, oh, Lord. In Jesus' name. Praise you, Lord. Leg pain, leg pain, leg pain. I praise you, Jesus. I speak to those leg pain right now. In Jesus' name, Yeshua name, Jehoshua I bind the leg pain. I command it to go in Jesus' name. Go. Go in Jesus' name. Cover your leg with the blood of Jesus. Go in Jesus' name. Go in Jesus' name. There you go. Thank you, Jesus. I feel leg pain going away from some of the people. Thank you, Lord, for confirming that. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. I don't need to touch you, brothers and sisters. The Lord can do it. The Lord created distance. Thank you, Lord. The Lord created distance. Remember the sister I shared with you a few months ago? Her son was in the hospital in Argentina. Praise you, Lord. And as we pray, I'm sorry, Chile, Chile. And as we pray, thank you, Lord. Pray to Jesus. Right in the hospital, her son got healed right there. The doctor has said, oh, he's going to die. Praise you, Lord. And she's crying, telling me how the son is going to die. No, no, he's not going to die. The Lord, let me know. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. And right there, he received healing. Life back to his body. And speech, he could not speak. Praise the Lord. And he, he got healed right there, brothers and sisters. He got healed. Praise the Lord. She's crying. Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you. No, I thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. I'm only a servant. Remember that. Only a servant. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There you go. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, God. Migraine headache. Migraine headache. I bind a migraine headache right now in Jesus' name. I cover your head with the blood of Jesus, and I bind a migraine headache to go in Jesus' name right now. Go in Jesus' name right now. You go. Demon about a migraine headache. Go in Jesus' name. Go to the pit of hell in Jesus' name. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I'm stretching my hand to your head right now. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Receive deliverance. Receive it. Receive it in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. I praise you, God. I praise you, Lord. I praise you, Jesus. I praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And you can do the same thing. Praise the Lord. I share how Brother Body has said to me, Brother Elby, one time on the phone, Brother, uh, we're going to pray for you. Praise you, Lord. And, and Brother Body and Sister Brenda, pray for me. And this powerful anointing came from Texas, brothers and sisters, and came over me. My goodness, was that powerful. That was so powerful. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And I received my healing instantly. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So I love it when Brother Body said, I'll pray for you, Brother Elvis. Because that anointing was so powerful. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Everyone can do it, Brother Jesus. 
We we either have the Holy Spirit, we either have God, brother, glory to Jesus. Praise the Lord. We can pray for one another. The Lord can do it. Thank you, Lord. We just ask that. Praise the Lord. Ask. Hallelujah. Ask by faith as the Lord does it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. And the Lord, all things are possible with the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, praise the Lord. I want to go and share uh, what the Lord has, was showing me, brothers and sisters. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, let me go ahead. Hallelujah. Verse 6 of, of Mark 6. And he marveled at their unbelief and went about by the town on every side teaching. Thank you, Lord. You see that he laid hand on a few. Praise the Lord. And those that were there full of unbelief, he moved on. Move on. There are more people ahead that will listen. Don't get caught up in the crowd or in the town or the city. Move on. Thank you, Lord. He simply moved on. He had no problem. He didn't need to get offended. He just moved on, brothers and sisters. Move on. Thank you, Lord. Someone else will receive the message. Praise the Lord. Verse 7. And he called unto him, the twelve, and began to send them forward to and two, and gave them power over unclean spirit. Praise you, Lord. In other words, you can also do this. Oh, that was Jesus, because Jesus was the Son of God, so people say, and, and God can do anything. No, he gave them power. He gave them spirit. The power of God is the Holy Spirit. He gave them his spirit. Go. Go. And cast out unclean spirit. Do the same thing you see me doing, go through it. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, God. Brothers and sisters, the Lord can do it if we believe it, if we claim it, if we pray over it, if we expect it. He will do it. Thank you, Jesus. All things are possible with God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, mighty Lord. Thank you, mighty God. Thank you, Jesus. I have said to the people, if you have legal problems, and you're going to go to the court to see the judge, send me an email. Say, Brother Elby, uh, I'm going to go see the judge for a ticket or whatever. Praise you, Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And, and watch what happens when we pray. Watch how the Lord changes things. And it's such a special way you realize, wow. I, I had a brother. Uh, brother, I'm going to immigration for my paperwork, you know, Brother Elby. And he remembered like three or four times. Praise the Lord. He said, Brother Elby, I'm going to immigration. Um, I'm going to get my, my, my wrestling, my legal, my green card. And I, I need your prayer because if I don't get my green card, we're going to have to leave the country. And I know God wants us here. And I said, if you know God wants you here, why are you doubting? Just believe. Begin to fast. Begin, how many days, Brother Elby? No, don't worry about it. Begin to fast and pray. I'll be praying for you. Praise you, Lord. And we began to pray. Praise the Lord. It was to the end of the month. When the end of the month comes, thank you, Lord. He's all worried. Brother Elvie, it's tomorrow morning. We're going to go We're gonna go see immigration. You know what? Man, Brother Elvie, trust the Lord, I just say. Trust the Lord. Go and pray. Trust the Lord. They went to see immigration. They got the green card. Praise you, without a problem, they, they, they will walk away with respect, and they gave them the, the green card, brothers and sisters. Oh, next day, he's like, oh, Brother Elby, thank you. Oh, my God, oh, oh, thank you, thank you. And I said, brother, the Lord is the one that do this. 
We just got to believe. Gracious. He thought he was going to be deported. He thought we were going to get him out of the country. I mean, he's thinking all these things. Don't think this way. If you are a believer, you are giving your life to the Lord. Believe the Lord. Believe the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Because all things are possible with God. The Lord can get hold of the government by the neck and make them do whatever he wants. Thank you, Lord. So you can get an understanding. All things are possible with God. Praise the Lord. If the Lord grabs him by the neck, who's going to say no to the Lord? <laughs> He'll give him one choice. You give him the paperwork, I'll throw you in hell right now. Thank you, Lord. And that's it. They have to obey the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. People think that because the devil's doing all this, uh, the devil's doing this, the demons are doing this, they think they're on their own and they can do whatever they want. No, they got to ask Jesus for, for permission. The Lord Jesus is the one that has no power down here in heaven and earth. They got to ask the Lord. And a lot of people don't know this. Now, before the devil can attack you because you belong to the Lord, they need to go to the Lord. That's why Revelation 12 says that he's the accuser of the brethren. How did that go about? I've been there. I've seen the devil accusing us. Thank you, Jesus. So what happened is the devil cannot come against you, your finance, your family, no God, unless you are the one doing it. This is why I tell people, read Deuteronomy 28, and read it and read it and fast about it, and read it again, because I tell you, Praise the Lord. If the Lord, if the devil's coming against your finance, if the devil's coming against your family, he has an open door in your life. You have an open door in your life if he's coming against you. you you're probably being unfaithful with God's money. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Something wrong you're doing. You're opening the door to the devil, and then you're blaming the devil, blaming God. No, he's evil. That's what the devil does. You need to be obedient. To the word of the Lord. So when something is going wrong in my life, I check myself. I don't check the devil. Nah, I check myself because it's something I'm doing wrong. If he's attacking my finance, if he's attacking my family, praise his Lord, if he's attacking my children, something I'm doing wrong. And I have learned this for many years. And I check with the Lord, Lord, what am I doing wrong? And he will usually reveal it to me. And then I begin to repent. And I begin to break it. If it's a generation of Christian, my father's side, my mother's side, for first, second, third, fourth, sixth, sixth, seventh generation, back to out on your knees. I'm repenting this stuff, this garbage out of hell. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. And I'm, 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 I'm covering and I'm closing this with the blood of Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Why? Because we are responsible. A lot of people don't like to take responsibility. And as long as you don't take responsibility, the devil is going to keep coming against your finance, your family, your house, your health, your household. You'll do so much, brothers and sisters. Praise the Lord. We are responsible. God holds us responsible. Who told me? Straight to me? Jesus said. The same word I'm sharing with you tonight, Jesus himself told me this, brothers and sisters. Praise you, Lord. He's my rabbi. He's my teacher. I learned from him. Praise you, Lord. What I share, it came from him. He told me this. Praise you, Lord. He told me, remember him telling me this thing happened in his throne? He was sitting in his throne. The Holy Spirit was standing next to him, the person of the Holy Spirit. 
control down there. Show me, show me the devil and the heavenly places doing whatever he's doing. And Jesus showed me, he says, I'm in control. Not the devil. Go tell my people this, he says, that I'm in control. He has no power in heaven and on earth, his word says. And his word cannot lie. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. And if people could see it in the spirit, how much control Jesus has, they would just go to him. But that's not what people do. People stop blaming the devil, blaming this, blaming everybody else except themselves. They don't take responsibility. And the Lord told me, take responsibility, my son. Responsibility, repent. And as he told me, I began to do it. And my whole life began to change. Thank you, Lord. And I hear people today from everywhere blaming someone else. No, it's this other person. No, it's this. No, blame nobody else. Blame, take responsibility and repent. Jesus told me, you cannot lie to me. I, I can see all, and I know all. And so a lot of people forget to, to, to remember that, that no one can lie to God. Verse 8, I command them that they should take nothing from their journey, save stuff only, neither script, neither bread, neither money, and the verder. Hallelujah. But that they should be shot with sandals, that they should not put on and he said unto them, Whatever ye shall enter into the house, where abide till ye depart hence, stay there until ye have to go. Hallelujah. Verse 11. Whosoever shall not receive you, neither hear you, when ye depart hence, shake off the dust that is under your feet as a witness unto them. Verily I said unto you that it should be easier for Sodom and Gomorrah at the day of judgment than for that city. Praise you, Lord. God, have mercy. And they went out and preached a man their life, that men should repent their sins. Praise you, Lord. Do you hear the first message they preached? Brothers and sisters, when the, when the disciples went to preach, the first message they preached, a man their life, that people will repent of their sins, was the first message. Repenting. Thank you, Lord. Repent. It was the first message the disciple preached. It was the first message Jesus preached. John the Baptist preached. Apostle Paul preached. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Our life with sin, hallelujah, bring us to the worst. But when we repent our sin, brother, sin is, is, is sin. It's eternal separation from God. That's what sin is. Praise you, Lord. Eternal separation from God. This is why we need to repent our sins. Of course, there are sins more gravious than other sins, brothers and sisters. That John said, I don't tell you to pray for, which a lot of people don't know and don't understand today, what sins are those that they should not pray for. Like if someone tells you that they blaspheme the Holy Spirit, should you go lay hand on them and bless them and pray for them? If someone the Lord revealed to you that he, he or she blessed the Holy Spirit. Those are the people you leave out to God. Praise your Lord. You don't get involved with them. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your Lord. But it's always when the Lord revealed that to you. When the Lord revealed to you that someone is in a serious sin and that you should not deal with that someone, you should do that. The Lord had revealed that to me a few years ago about someone. I tried ministering to this person. But the Lord told me about the serious sin this person was doing. 
Lord. Because we want to help people. We want to see people saved. We want to see people come to the Lord and serve the Lord and, and go to heaven. Praise the Lord. But it's up, it's up to them when we present the gospel of truth to them, brothers and sisters. It's up to them and God. Thank you, Jesus. Salvation is individual. Praise the Lord. Verse 13. And they cast out many devils, and they anointed many that were sick with oil and healed them. Right from the beginning, praise you, Lord. They were anointing people with oil, brothers and sisters. They took oil, the, the disciple, and they went out anointing people. I heard preachers say that this is not biblical, or this, or this, this is not the way the Lord did it. So they questioned how the disciple prayed for those people, and they were healed. Bible say it healed them too. I have a very anointed oil in my house, and I say very because I asked the Lord to anoint it. He had anointed that oil. My goodness, and, and it when you put up some of that oil in your head and upon your head, you can feel the presence of God very strong when you do. It's a powerful oil. Praise you, Lord. And I have believed in the anointing with oil for many years. Hallelujah. And I tell you, you can ask the Lord to anoint oil. Pure olive oil use, please. And I tell you, it is powerful. Powerful, powerful, powerful. A lot of people don't realize how powerful it is. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. And, and, and it works powerful. The Lord has used it very powerful for many years. Thank you, Lord. And I believe, I believe it's biblical. That's why the disciples use it. Because they saw how powerful it was. Verse first, the kid Herod heard of him, and his name was made manifest and said, John Bassett is written again for the dead. Therefore, great works are brought by him. Look who they thought that, that Jesus was, John the Baptist. Because John the Baptist was a powerful, hallelujah. Hallelujah. John the Baptist was a powerful man of God. And Jesus was moving powerfully, more powerful here than John the Baptist. For Herod, because he killed John the Baptist, he beheaded John the Baptist. He said, oh, man, don't tell me he's written again. Don't tell me he's risen again. When he heard what was going on through the ministry of Jesus Christ and the disciples, thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Very important that we believe when we claim God's promises because he will bring them to pass. All the respect says the Bible. It is Elijah. And some say it is a prophet or one of those prophets. Thank you, Lord. He was not one of those prophets. He was a prophet. But he was not one of those prophets. Some people didn't know what to say. They say, oh, he's one of those prophets. No, he was not one of those prophets. He was a prophet greater than any other prophet that ever been before him, brothers and sisters. Jesus Christ is greater than Moses, Abraham, and all of them. They think Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. Jesus Christ is more powerful, brothers and sisters. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And we just got to believe, brothers and sisters. We just got to believe that the Lord will make it possible. And the more you sink your faith in Christ, I'm going to say it again, the more you sink your faith, your faith in Christ, the more powerful you'll be in your life. But you have to go deeper in faith, hallelujah, and to the Lord. You have to grab onto the Lord like that woman who grabbed to his mantle. Thank you, Jesus. Why did, why did John the Baptist say, brothers and sisters, that I am not worthy to untie his sandal. The reason he said this is because he humbled himself to the Lord's feet. In other words, he was humble to Jesus' feet. He recognized who Jesus 
has no problem humbling himself, brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And we need to learn how humility is so powerful. The Lord began to teach me about humility a few years ago, how powerful humility is because it is missing among the church humility. Humility is missing so much. Praise the Lord. The greater man and woman of God were very humble. Esther was a great woman of God. She was very humble, brothers and sisters. Sarah, the wife of Abraham, was a great woman of God. And you know how she called Abraham? My Lord, my Lord. In other words, she recognized that Abraham was being used by God. And he was a great man of God. She humbled herself to God as a servant. Sarah humbled herself to God as a servant. Many women need to learn from Sarah. And we need to learn from Abraham, brothers. Many sisters need to learn from, from Sarah, how she humbled herself. Or Rebecca, how she humbled herself. Brothers and sisters, these are great women of a great example in the Bible. And Esther will prepare her life for the king. Thank you, Jesus. Santa Mother, yes. So humble. Such a great servant to God. And so we, we got these examples that we need to learn from, brothers and sisters. Because the more we humble ourselves, the greater the Lord is going to use us. The greater power will flow through our through us, brothers and sisters. Mary, she kept quiet all, all those years. She was what she had the Lord as a baby. Went down to Egypt, came back to the to her land again, Jerusalem, and she remained so humble, brothers and sisters. Quiet with Joseph. Joseph was the decision maker. He was the the, the head of the household, but Jesus was the the head of Joseph. Joseph needed to humble to the Lord, humble, because Mary could have been stoned. But Joseph, when the angel Gabriel came and told him that what she had was of the Holy Spirit. He humbled himself immediately and got hold of the baby. And when he was told, go down to Egypt, he had no problem. He humbled himself. Praise the Lord. He believed the message of the angel because he humbled himself to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. The more we humble ourselves, the greater work God is going to do through us, brothers and sisters. And if not much is being done through us, it's because we're not doing much humbling. Remember this. If we want God to do mighty things to us, brothers and sisters. Mighty things we want God to do through us. But now I want to tell you this. Why have God not done great things to us? Because of pride. If God do great things to us, we would take the glory. Because we're not so humble. But the more we humble ourselves, in the greater things, God, God will do the greater things. And you know what we do when we humble ourselves? We give him the glory. And we thank him. Thank you. Your glory belongs to you. It is you that is doing it, O oh Lord. We immediately recognize that it's the Lord and we give him the glory. Hallelujah. When we humble ourselves. Because a lot of people that are listening to me have been saying, Lord, why are you not using me? I've been fasting. I've been praying. I've been seeking the Lord. I, I want to see you the greater things, O oh Lord. And the Lord says, I, the Lord knows what's in your heart. The Lord knows that you want to be used by God mightily. But I want, I want you to listen to this a minute. 
The Lord knows what's in your heart. And he knows how much pride you have. You may think, well, I don't have pride. You do have pride. We all have pride. Thank you, Lord. We all have pride. Now, how much pride do we have? Because if we are always humbling ourselves, brothers and sisters, and we're asking the Lord every day to remove pride from our life, you don't even have to speak to see the power of God move through your life, brothers and sisters. You don't have to speak. You don't have to speak. Praise you, Lord. I've been by people, I and I say this, brothers and sisters, I'm not saying this because I don't want people to think much of me, no. But I, I've been to the supermarket, and I see people touched by the power of God, me standing in the line, and they're looking like, wow, they can feel the presence of God. You, you, I, don't, you, I don't have to go there laying hands on people. I don't have to go there preaching the word. I'm quiet. My mouth is shut. I'm just waiting to pay, and the power of God just touching people. And people, uh, people begin to praise God in the supermarket. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. A lot of people think, when, when I'm under the power of God and I'm from the pulpit or the rate of this, I'm going to do this, and, and people everywhere are going to be touched. Listen, if you seek to, for the Lord to remove you, pride from your life, you don't have to say everything for the multitude to be touched, for the people to be healed, for the people to be delivered. You move your hand, you just walk by them. Thank you, Jesus. And they get healed. They get delivered. The Lord will use you in such a mighty, special way that all you know is not you, and you have to give them the glory. I want you to try this for 30 days. I want you to begin to repent your pride every day, twice a day at least, and ask the Lord to take from your heart and from your life, body, soul, and spirit, all three, remember this, body, soul, and spirit, pride from you. So, Lord, take all pride from you. Lord, all pride from my heart, my body, soul, and my spirit, Lord. For my being, Lord, take all pride. Please, Lord Jesus, every day, for 30 days, a toy day test, I want, you to, I want you to do this for 30 days. And something is going to happen to you as you do this in those 30 days. Praise the Lord. You are going to begin to see God's power flow through you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, in such a special way that you're going to thank the Lord. But then don't stop after those 30 days. Don't stop asking the Lord after those 30 days. Okay? Just continue because if he did all that in 30 days, imagine what he can do in six months. Imagine how much, how much pride he can remove out of your life in six months. Imagine in a year. Can you imagine in a year how much junk of pride he can remove out of your heart and your life? And then all of a sudden you're walking and people are being touched, and you're not even preaching. You were not even thinking about the Bible. And all of a sudden someone is being touched by God through you. The Lord can do this. Praise the Lord as we remove pride out of our heart. Then you're going to begin to understand how wickedness and evil pride is. Why is the devil from hell is throwing pride on the air on earth, on the food, the air we breathe, on the water we drink? 
and everything that is on this earth. Why is he throwing all that junk to this earth? So much pride. Because he knows. He knows. He knows that if, if, you, if you get prideful, you're thinking of yourself too much. You're not giving God no glory. The pride, the prideful God looks from afar, says Proverbs. The Father God will be from you if you're full of pride. Why do you think there's nothing of God in the devil? There is nothing of God in Satan. Why? Because he's full of pride. There's nothing of God in the demons, fallen demons. Why? Because they're full of pride, brothers and sisters. We want to have something of God. We got to get aware of this pride. We got to ask the Lord. And the Lord revealed to me that the only way pride can be out of our life, he revealed to me is if I take it out, he says. Ask me to take it out, he says. The Lord spoke this to me. Because I was, I was wondering, I wanted to know, and, and the Lord revealed this to me. The Lord said to me, just ask me to get out of you. I, I can take it out of you. Because when the Lord revealed to me how much pride is on this earth, I said, wow, everything is contaminated. And I realized that all that that is on the earth is in my life too. Praise you, Lord. And as I began to ask the Lord to take pride out of me, I began to see the power of God coming into my life, being filled. See, if you if you have a cup full of oil, petroleum, black petroleum, right, or, or, or coffee, you cannot pour milk into that cup. You have to empty that cup first before you can pour milk into it. Not only that, if you empty the cup, it just have coffee or petroleum in it, and you don't wash it through the which the washing through the word. The word of God washes us, brothers and sisters. So as you ask the Lord to take pride out of you, you need to be more in the word. Have an audible Bible. There's, a, there's an audible Bible on YouTube that you can listen to all day long. The whole Bible is audible in, on YouTube. Listen to the word for these thirty days. Let the word cleanses you, wash you, brothers and sisters. Thank you, Lord. As you're asking the Lord to take pride out of you, praise you, Lord. So if you throw away the coffee, but you don't wash the cup, and you throw milk into it, now you're contaminating the milk. Praise you, Lord. I hope the Lord is giving you wisdom as you hear this. Thank you, Lord. Very important. That pride be taken away, away from our heart and life. That the Lord remove it, because the Lord can remove it. Thank you, Lord. And as the Lord remove it, then he'll begin to use us mightily. Then you want to be a blessing to other people, right? You're going to say, yes, I want to be a blessing to my family, to my neighbors, to my co-worker. I want to be a blessing to everyone. Well, ask the Lord to take pride out of you. Begin to pray. And if you need to cry out, thank you, Jesus. If you need to cry out every day to the Lord for an hour or two or three hours, to remove pride from you, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. As you remove pride and you listen listening to the word, you're being washed, your cup is being washed. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. I am telling you, in 30 days, you're going to be like, what? This is incredible. My mind is clear. As the Lord begins to remove pride out of you, you're going to notice that your mind is clear. You can think so clear. Pride contaminates your thinking your mind, your decision-making. This is why the devil throws so much pride out there. 
to, to correct people's decision-making. If you're not in the Word, you're not going to make the right decision as the Word cleanses you. But as you are in the Word of God, washing you, and Jesus taking pride out of you, you won't believe the difference. You will not believe the change. You'll say, like, wow, Lord, this is good. This is incredible. I love him. Lord, please continue to take pride of me. Continue, Lord. And you stay in the Word. My goodness. I had a brother that tried this fasting for a whole week. He says, in my whole life, 47, I think he's 43, in my whole life, I never felt this cleanse, Brother Elby. I can think so clear, he was telling me, so clear. I never felt this way as a Christian in church before. You, you told me to do this, and I went in there, and I know it's from the Lord, but this is incredible, Brother Elby. The whole with my mind is clear. I can think so clear. I, I haven't had this for so long, Brother Elby. And I've been a minister for a long time. But he was backsliding. I've been having a lot of ministry, minister writing to me, brother, for prayer. A lot of people that are contaminated in so many other stuff. And I'm not here to judge people. No, that's not my calling. Praise you, Lord. But if, you, if you're confused, begin to fast and pray. Shut up the TV. Shut up the Internet. Or if you want to keep the Internet, the Lord's Tower, and just listen to the Lord's Tower. If you want, or just listen to the word, but no secular news, no secular news. Stay away from that if you're confused. If you're confused, if you're depressed, if you're depressed, brothers and sisters, also shut up everything else. Just listen to the word, pray and fast. Watch how all that nonsense, the bondage of the devil, get broken and leaves your life. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And as you do this, you won't believe. You won't, I have people telling me, oh, the different, but everything is incredible. What a different thank you, brother. Oh, my goodness. Who, who will believe that you have so much pride in you? That's it. We don't believe it because we've been in it so long. We kind of got used to it, but it's not pleasing to God. And then we want God to use us. Well, practically, God has to kill us to use us with so much pride. Think about it. Oh, God, I want you to say millions. I want you to say thousands to me. I want to, I want to have the most powerful ministry ever, God, and all that. If you want God to do all that, God has to, has to kill you instantly. And you'll drop dead, and he'll have to raise you again without any pride in order to use you. Because we're full of pride, brothers and sisters. We have a lot, a lot. And I notice that in the moment, I, I, I don't repent my pride. And I, and I put it off my repentance of pride, I notice how, how it gets back to me. Praise you, Lord. It gets back to you. And then all of a sudden you find yourself thinking foolishness and nonsense and, and this and that. The other night I was talking to my wife about a career. I wanted to pursue a career. Maybe go back to college and, and do this and do that. And I'm, I'm, I'm going off in my mind. And all of a sudden, who, you why am I thinking this way? I'm a, I'm a servant of the Lord. I should be focused on Jesus. I should be focused on the gospel. I should be focused on the things of God. How is this thing coming to me? Pride is the open door to all these nonsense. People are planning, oh, in 20 years, I'm going to have the old world. Foolishness and nonsense. 
praise you, God. In the Lord, yes, we can conquer much, but it's with the Lord. You don't leave the Lord behind, you go on your own. Like many many Christians, hallelujah, are backsliding. Oh, no, I don't have time to go to church. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to seek God. I got to pursue my career. Then they'll have a heart attack, maybe, or a cardiac accident. And if by God's mercy, they can end up in the hospital. Praise the Lord. I have people contact me like this way that had gotten in, in, in serious accident and stuff that were Christian years ago. Now people tell me, oh, 20 years ago, I was a Christian brother, and you know, I've been backsliding, and this, this happens to me, and all that. I need your help. Please give me a word and, and immediately get into fasting and prayer. Begin to repent daily as much as you can. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And then they realize, <coughs> wow, I've been away from the Lord for so long. Thank you, Lord. And they're telling me how their life has been. Some people have told me, it's been about money. I have made so much money, brother. I had a brother telling me, I have made millions, brother. And I have these businesses and that business and that and that. Praise the Lord. And, and this brother, the Lord took everything away from him. For him to come back to him. He, he had companies. He had millions in the bank. But he was backsliding. And he knew the Lord was calling him back. But he had so much money, he was ignoring the Lord, he was telling me. Until one day, God, boom, took everything away from him. And there's nothing he could do. So people say, I'll get the best Lord. I do this, I do that. He knew it was God. He knew it was the Lord taking it away from him. Because when he began to cry about it and repent, the Lord spoke to him about having all that, but not having him in his heart, in his life, anymore. And as he began to repent and pray, he heard about the Lord's hour and contacted me and told me what happened. And I began to encourage him every other day. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. And that's what he was being thankful about. He said, Brother Obi, in the way I was, I knew if I died, I would have gone straight to hell. He says to me, and, and he cries just thinking about the mercy of the Lord for his own life. Because this happens to a lot of people, young people, older people. They think that money is their God until something happens that makes them realize, boom, God has to allow things, especially if the person is a soul, that, that is a soul for salvation. The Lord works for everyone to get them back to him, brothers, in one way or another. It's just like he has to make them lose everything because they're not willing to give up what they have. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. But brothers and sisters, we need to put our eyes on Jesus. Praise the Lord. We need to put our eyes on Jesus and forget about this world that is about to be destroyed. Last night, I want to begin with the revelation of last night. I'm sorry, yesterday morning. The Lord took me out in the spirit here in America. And I was here in North Carolina. And people from Texas, people from California, people from Maryland, Washington, in different states were coming to me. I was in front of over 200 people, from each from different states. Brothers and sisters, as I'm standing in front of all these people, a lot of people, I didn't realize, because I was just taken there, out of the sign, I was just taken there in my sleep. I'm there, I'm standing before these people that are coming from different state people that, that listen to the Lord's Tower, I knew. I began to realize 
that was the brothers and sisters that listened to the Lord's hour. And, and, and the great tsunami, the east, the eastern tsunami had come. Brothers and sisters, Miami, Florida, complete Florida was underwater. Georgia, Maryland, and Washington was underwater. New Jersey and New York, and someone from Boston saying even Boston is underwater. And people were saying to me, Brother Obi, I'm sorry, because you were saying from the Lord about the judgment that was coming, and a lot of us were not believing you no more, because year had gone by, and we had not seen the judgment come by, Brother Obi. But now we understand and know that it was the mercy of God that although God had you speak the judgment to come, God had revealed it to you, and it was God having mercy for more people to repent before the judgment came. Brothers and sisters, the tsunami that is going to come through through Florida is at 2,000 feet. And when it, when it hits the, the coast of uh, North Carolina, it's going to be 1,000 feet, I believe, around there. I knew that in the revelation of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 2,000 feet when it, when it hits Florida, at least. And when it gets to New York, it's going to be over 400. And people were coming crying from these different states because these states were devastated as they, as they spoke. And now some people are telling me, the reason why the Lord brought you to this part of North Carolina, Brother LB, it was because God knew that there will be food over here. Hallelujah. There will be food right where you are, Brother LB. For people to eat and servants to eat, and and it was two hundred people as they were talking to me. Each and one of them was sharing to me, and I was just listening to them. Two hundred more other people were coming, and more people were coming from the different places, brothers and sisters, telling me how devastated the United States looked now. How Washington was completely underwater in Maryland, brothers and sisters. The number of these states have escaped the tsunami. It was people were telling me. Now I was I was not preaching to them. I was not sharing the Lord's revelation to them. Now they were telling me how bad it was. And they were telling me how they realized that God was using me. But it was God's mercy, hallelujah, to let people know before time that the judgment was coming. I I I was really telling people I didn't want I didn't want to talk about it anymore. I'm telling you tonight because the Lord has kept reminding me about the judgment that is soon to come. But I didn't even want to talk about it anymore. I didn't want to sound like a broken record. Lots, lots of people have made fun of me. Some people have even come to me and said, "Year has gone by, nothing has happened, are we?" It's like they want something to happen. Hallelujah. It is so sad that people think this way. People don't realize that millions of lives are our state, brothers and sisters. They don't realize that when the tsunami hit Florida, millions of lives are our state. When it hit Georgia, Atlanta, when it hit Maryland, when it hit Washington, when it hit New Jersey and New York, brothers and sisters, well, there are millions of people. Manhattan is going to be underwater, brothers and sisters. Almost New Jersey completely will be underwater. Very few parts of New Jersey will escape. You know, Atlantic City is going to be gone, brothers and sisters. 
And then Boston got hit very bad, someone was telling me. And that might be just a hundred foot away when they have Boston. But that's how bad it's going to be. And people don't realize it's going to be this bad. And the Lord, I have people this past week just emailing me of this reason that God has given them. Which the Lord, they say, the Lord's confirming, Brother Elby, what, what, you, what you've been speaking from the Lord. Hallelujah. People been getting dreams, waking up in the middle of the tsunami when everything has been destroyed. And, and some people are like so scared, so scared about their judgment because they have seen the reality of it. And they say, oh, man, Brother Elby, it is so real. It is so close, some people are saying. It is unbelievably close. How close the judgment is. Brothers and sisters, praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Someone said to me in a dream, Brother Elby, you should have known the day. I had a brother say, our sister wants to see you. And in the dream, I go to this sister, who is a preacher on YouTube. And she said, Brother Elby, you should have known the day. And I said, what do you mean I should have known the day? You should have asked the Lord for the day. Huh. And in the dream, I began to pray for the day of the tsunami to come. And all of a sudden, I see something move from before me where the days were written very clear, brothers and sisters. And in five, in five six number. It was written the, the the month, the day, and the year was written in that wall. It was written in steel. The day of the tsunami. And I I I, I told my wife I told people I know I'm not going to give out the day until I get the Lord to, to confirm this for me. Praise the Lord. Thank you Jesus. But I tell you this. For what all these people that are dreaming, even people from out of the United States, are having this dream. The Lord had contact. There was a young woman on YouTube who put out a video. Uh, I can't remember what country she's from. I think it's Europe. The Lord went to her, and the Lord says to her, to warn the people of America of the great judgment that he already spoken to them through his servants in the U.S., brothers and sisters. And I was like, oh, wow, that is incredible. And then all these people writing to me, to my email, my Gmail, just telling me on the dream they're having, and they just, they just keep coming in. All these people that are having these dreams telling me. And all the dream was basically the same dream, the judgment. And they say they are, some, some people are stunned on how close it is. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy. Have mercy, the Lord. They are stunned. Stunned is the word. Of how close the judgment is. Some people have said it is this year. I I, I have not commented about that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I have not commented. Some people have said it's going to happen in 2016. I, I don't dare to give out a date. This is why I need the Lord to really confirm this to me. But I know it's close. I know it's close. I even told the sister in the train, I, I, I'm not going to focus on day. Mm-mm. I'm not going to focus on day. It's up to the Lord if he wants me to give out the day I saw. I saw a day 
It's in my mind. It's in my brain. I, I remember it reading and sealed the day when the tsunami is going ahead. It is not far from now. Praise the Lord. But it's up to the Lord. It's up to God. Remember that God can declare a judgment. And if the people repent, God can also repent for declaring the judgment. It's in the word of God. So this is why they, brothers and sisters, hallelujah, this is why they is not important. To me, they is not important. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Because God can change the day. And that's why I'm not going to focus on they. No, I'm not going to. Because God can repent of the judgment. And if you give out a day, people are going to call you false prophets. And so don't focus on they. But we need to let people know it's close. It is very close. Praise you, Jesus. It can be this year. It can be next year. Or it can be the year after. Only God knows when exactly. Someone has said on YouTube, God told their sister, according to her word, that God, the judgment he declared is imminent, she says. She used the word imminent. I don't know about that. But that's the word she used. You notice that I'm not playing other prophets and the Lord's hour anymore. Praise you, Lord. I had a great man of God advise me about this because it was bringing confusion among the people. One prophet says one thing. Another prophet said another thing. If God gives me a word for God's people, and then I'll play a prophet that will contradict the word, what it's doing is bringing confusion. Some people may not feel happy that I don't play other prophets. Today, tonight I decided to play, uh, hallelujah, praise the Lord, Minister Paul, and praise the Lord, and Pastor, I forget his name. I, I, I'm going to play their, their work, their, their Bible study. But I tell you, I'm not playing other prophet like I used to anymore. Hallelujah. Because contradicting other words, contradicting a message. The, the man of God told me, Brother Hobby, I know you're a man of God. And because God has spoken to him about me. You, I don't think you should be playing other prophet on the Lord's Tower. Because they'll bring it, it is not good. If God gives you a word, you should stick with the word God is giving you. If you play it out of the prophet, that will contradict the word. Praise the Lord. And I believe when men of God, a woman of God, should not contradict any other word. It says from God. God's word is not contradicting at all. It is not contradicting. This is one thing. Since I came to the Lord over 20 years plus years, brothers and sisters, that I was able to read the Bible and not see the word contradicting itself. No, the word doesn't contradict itself, brothers and sisters. It does not. Jesus did not contradict the prophet, but he did confirm what the prophet said. That was a great thing about Jesus. That what Isaiah said, he he confirmed. What Moses said, he confirmed. What Abraham said, he confirmed. What each of these prophets said, including Noah, hallelujah, praise the Lord, he spoke about Noah. He spoke about so many prophets. Jonah, the prophet Jonah. He also confirmed three three days in the belly of the whale. Son of, son of man will be three days in the heart of the earth. 
And, and exactly, he confirmed, brothers and sisters, each of those prophets. That's what the Lord does. That's why we can ask Jesus for a confirmation of a word, because he confirmed each of the prophet's word to be true. Praise the Lord. That's why we can always trust the word of God, that it's true, because Jesus confirmed the, the word of the prophet. He came to fulfill the word of the prophet, brothers and sisters, because it's true. The word of God is true. And they spoke the word of God. It was he himself who gave it to us. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. It will mean that he will not destroy the entire earth as he died to Noah by, by, by tsunami as he did. He is going to destroy certain land by tsunami, but not the entire earth. That's one thing a lot of people have misunderstood because they remember the, the, the rainbow back in Genesis where God promised not to destroy the, the, the earth by water. But what God meant was the entire earth that got destroyed by water with the dinosaur were killed also, brothers and sisters. And many other things that were on earth, which are in heaven now, were destroyed by Noah's uh, great tsunami. Praise the Lord, the flood. And the flood was not exactly a tsunami. It was a flood. It was raining for 40 days and 49 straight forward. And as the, 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 the windows of heaven opens up with water, it was putting more water than just rain. A lot of people think that what happened in Noah, it began with rain. But something greater happened after the rain, brothers and sisters. It was a total judgment of God when the, when the flood of Noah. And God said that this way he would not destroy it through the rainbow. But yes, Jesus talked about earthquakes and divine places, tsunami. A tsunami is a simple earthquake in the sea. Of course, you know that already. A tsunami is an earthquake, brothers and sisters. That's what it is. Jesus said there will be earthquakes in diverse places in Matthew 24. So that's exactly tsunami is. And then we know about the meteor in the book of Revelation that will hit, that will, that will hit the earth. Praise you, Lord. Which that's what uh, uh, Brother Ephraim is related to. I know a lot of people see it impossible for this to happen. But remember, the flood of Noah was seen impossible too. People in the times of Noah had never seen this before. Never before, brother. A flood that will flood the whole earth. Even science say don't believe it. A lot of the science brothers and sisters believe that there was not such a flood that will destroy the whole earth because they had not seen anything like it. You know, they never seen anything like it. It's like in the times of Lot. I never fire came from heaven. Like it, came, like it said it came from heaven, from God, to Sodom and Gomorrah. So it is hard for men to believe these things because they have never seen it. But when it happens, they will believe. They will believe. Jesus told this to me. I remember being over Pennsylvania, and Jesus was in the cloud with me. And Jesus said, will they escape this? I saw a wave of 500 feet coming into New Jersey, brothers and sisters. 
I was stunned. Jesus was standing right in front of me. I could see his beautiful eyes, his beautiful body, his beautiful clothing. He was standing in the clouds like it was a firm ground to him, brothers and sisters. And I was standing there with him, like Peter standing over the water with him too. Thank you, Lord. And I tell you this. He said, well, they escaped this. And when I saw that, that tsunami coming into New Jersey, I saw how the buildings and the house were being just brought down by the force of the water. I saw how cars, beautiful cars, brand new cars, the tsunami was dragging the cars like nothing was in front of them, brothers and sisters. People were trying to run for their life. I saw this. People were trying to run for their life, but it was too late. They cannot outrun the water. The water must have been coming 100 miles per hour or more, the, the water, the tsunami. For a great tsunami to be so strong, only a meteor, do your math, can cost it, oh, the power of God for sure. Brothers and sisters, praise the Lord. Please seek the Lord and just ask the Lord to remove pride from you. So you can notice that the word of God is true and that what God says is going to happen. It's going to happen because God said it's going to happen. Earth and heaven will pass, Jesus said, but not my word. His word is going to come to pass because he's spoken to come to pass. Praise you, Lord. All right. I want to get right to our prophecy update today. There's a, I actually added a lot of stuff this morning. Uh, when I got up, I want to talk about what I see as three key indicators, which I would argue prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Bible prophecy is being fulfilled. The first indicator has to do with where the world is headed economically. The second indicator has to do with where the world is headed religiously. And the third is where the world is headed governmentally. Now, it's important to understand that all three, which we'll look at, are going in the same direction, just as we're told in the Bible that they would. But they do so with the backdrop of what's happening in the Middle East. Um, you'll forgive me for sounding a little sensational when I say this. I hope it doesn't come off like that, but what's happening in the Middle East today is the likes of which we've never seen before in human history. Now, please know that whenever I, and I usually write it out so that I, I say it right, uh, I think it through and I pray it through to make sure, is what I'm saying right? That's, that's a good thing, right? To make sure that what you're saying is true and right. It's not just some, you know, sensational, you know, statement. Uh, it's not rhetorical, certainly, but think about what I just said, and I'm going to say it again. What we're seeing happening today in the Middle East is the likes of which we have never seen before in human history. Think about that. As I was pondering all that's happening just within the last two weeks, what struck me was that U.S. politics have all but drowned out any news coverage concerning the Middle East. Uh, it almost seems, and I don't want this to sound like conspiracy, but 
it almost seems that the powers to be, as it were, are timing everything, knowing that it will be under the radar for such a time as this. I mean, it is unprecedented. In fact, I, I actually had to sort of condense everything that I added this morning just in the interest of time. But if you really dig, and you can get past all of the political coverage for this year's election, again, not to in any way suggest that uh, this year's election isn't important. It certainly is, and arguably the most important of our lifetime. But um, when it blankets and covers wall-to-wall everything at the expense of what I believe are more important uh, news stories taking place in the Middle East, that is, that's concerning. That's disturbing. That's disturbing to me. Uh, and I know we've talked about this before, but think about this. Uh, how do we even know we're going to have an election this year? I know that stirs up all kinds of conspiracy thoughts and, and theories too, but I say that more, more from the perspective of tomorrow's not guaranteed. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. James says, you know, be careful you who say we're going to go into such and such a city and do business there and make a profit there. You should say, Lord willing. And man's life is but a, a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. You cannot put stock guaranteeing that tomorrow is yours. You don't know that. Do you know how much could happen between now and November? I mean, look at how much has happened just since the beginning of the year, since January 1st. And it's only, what, today, the last day, or tomorrow's the last day of February, right? Because it's a leap year. Why are you looking at me like that? Tomorrow's the 29th, right? <laughs> Tuesday's March 1st. Okay, amen. Can I get a witness on that? All right, at least I got that. <laughs> well, I mean, we're two months into the year, and look at what's happened already, just in the first two months of the year. It seems that with every passing day, the prophecy in Isaiah 17 about Syria, specifically Damascus, becoming a ruinous heap inches closer to fulfillment. I mean, I'm not being, you know, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? When I say with each, I'm talking literally with each passing day, not figuratively with each passing day. Literally with each passing day, it seems that this prophecy is inching closer to fulfillment. Consider this Jewish press article on Wednesday in which they reported that the U.S. Secretary of State, John Kerry, had warned the world community that it may not be able to save Syria, what was once Syria anyway, if the current fighting continues much longer, and that it may get much uglier. Let me just quote uh, from the report. Kerry had a grim outlook for the future of Syria. Even if the regime's Russian-backed forces retake the northern city of Aleppo, the largest commercial hub in the country, Kerry said it is hard to hold territory in Syria at this point. For starters, the secretary told the committee that he cannot guarantee that Russia will stick to the new ceasefire signed this week between the regime of President Bashar al-Assad and moderate opposition forces. 
Moscow and Washington also signed on to that uh, truce, which, well, which excluded, excluded the Islamic State, Al-Qaeda, and Jabhat al-Nusra terrorist groups. Of course. <laughs> the article goes on to say, Gulf nation governments and that of, listen, Saudi Arabia have already warned their citizens to leave Lebanon if they haven't already. As early as last week, rumors, interesting word, were flying that Turkey and Saudi Arabia were preparing their troops for a ground invasion of Syria to deal with the Islamic State terrorist threat on their own. Interesting. Saudi Arabia and with them, Turkey. I would suggest that not only does it appear Isaiah 17 is on the cusp of fulfillment, but so too is Ezekiel 38, which is why we talk about these prophecies now on a weekly basis. I believe they are in play in real time. I see Russia and Iran's involvement in concert with now Saudi Arabia's threat of war. Reminds me of what Jesus said. There will be rumors of war, wars and rumors of war, threats and threats of wars. But I see that as an intersecting prophecy, if I can call it that. And by intersecting, I mean that both prophecies, along with many others, and there are many others, they seem to cross paths, one with the other. And this in the sense that Syria is the path, or if you prefer, catalyst, to the prophesied attack against Israel, which we know will not succeed. Isaiah says, no weapon forged against thee will prosper. I found this Jerusalem Post article from just this morning very interesting. It, it confirms that Israel is keenly aware of what's really going on in Syria. For those of you who went to Israel with us uh, this last time, we were there on the Golan Heights, uh, and our tour guide said they have uh, surveillance uh, from the Golan right into Syria. And they're not exaggerating. That was the word I was looking for. They're not exaggerating when they say this. They can literally see the paper that Bashar al-Assad is reading in the morning. That, that's how uh, they are able to see everything that's going on in uh, uh, Syria. That, that clearly, <laughs> literally, by the way. Um, now, why do I say that? Because, make no mistake about it, Israel is watching Syria very, 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 very closely. Did I say very closely? <laughs> very closely. So much so that ceasefire or no ceasefire, and what I was going to say was, this is not going to be a ceasefire. Are you kidding me? Netanyahu has made it very clear in no uncertain terms that they stand at the ready on the Golan Heights. You know, you would think that the surrounding people that Zechariah 12 refers to, which in the original language of the Hebrew Old Testament, it carries with it the idea that the surrounding people are not only close in proximity geographically, they're also close in proximity genetically. This would include all of the people groups that even today are surrounding Israel. And what's 
really interesting is that um, you would think they would have learned their lesson from, namely, 1967 and then 1973. In other words, every time Israel has been attacked by the surrounding people, Israel comes up with more land. You know, if I'm Israel, and I, I say this, you know, hypothetically and kind of humorously, if I'm Israel, I'm thinking to myself, hey, uh, attack us. <laughs> God is for us, and if God is for us, who can be against us? And every time you attack us, we get more of our land back. Back. That's our land. Back. So, well... It's with this geopolitical backdrop, which is super busy, that I want to turn our attention to what I like to call the big three. I believe that the world is now ripe and ready for the Antichrist to control a one-world government, a one-world economy, and a one-world religion. And again, truth be known, this is what everything in the Middle East is now pointing to. This is what I believe everything is, uh, the direction everything is headed. Let's start with this uh, one world government, which I believe is now on the brink of coming to pass by virtue of the world's willingness to, like never before, accept a charismatic leader who can provide what they see as a solution to the world's problems. And the world has serious problems. Both Daniel, 9, uh, Daniel 7, verses 16 through 24, and Revelation 13, 1, describe a world system that will be unveiled by the beast as the most powerful horn. And this powerful figure will, in effect, defeat the other nine horns, and then commence with an all-out war on all of God's people. And we also have a description of this ten-nation confederacy, as it's called. It's in Daniel 2, verses 41 and 42, which is a prophetic picture of this final one-world government. Both Daniel and John received this vision, this revelation of this final uh, ruling uh, world empire under the control of none other than the Antichrist himself. Uh, by the way, let me parenthetically say that some prophecy experts are suggesting that we're also now possibly witnessing the fulfillment of Daniel 11. What's Daniel 11 about? Daniel 11 is about the king of the south and the king of the north. And specifically, what today is known as Northern Thunder. What's Northern Thunder? Well, it's a military exercise that is now underway in the northern reaches of Saudi Arabia, just below the border with Iraq. Did you hear about this? You probably didn't. But you did hear about the latest poll. You did hear about the Republican and the Democrat frontrunners. And you did hear about their, what they're saying about each other and to each other. You heard about that, right? 
According to the Russia Times, back on February 15th, this was prior to the launch of this military exercise, it's the largest in history in that region. And on the, on the 15th of February, they were reporting that 20 countries were going to be involved. This is huge. One source reported that there are actually now more than 25 countries that are part of this military effort, which has already uh, been launched. And it's, it's unlikely that... I know I had to dig to find this. I had to go to a lot of my different news feeds and plow through all of the political stuff in order to find out w what's going on with the, the Syria so-called ceasefire, what's happening with Saudi Arabia. They were threatening to uh, invade uh, Syria, and here's all these threats coming from Russia. Don't even think about it. Saudi Arabia is saying, we are thinking about it, and we're going to do it. And Russia is saying it's going to be the beginning of World War III. And everybody else is saying, well, bring it. <laughs> this is all going on. Oh, by the way, did you hear about this? Probably not. Um, <laughs> Ynet News on Wednesday reported that Israel's natural gas potential was triple the amount they originally thought. Now, let me put this into perspective. The amount they originally thought was colossal. And now it's believed that it's triple that? You know... Um, this, to me, is looking a lot like it has got to be the hook. The hook that God himself puts in the mouth of this Russian-Iranian-led alliance who will fail in their nuclear attack against Israel in Ezekiel 38. And here's another reason why we're virtually talking about Isaiah 17 and Ezekiel 38 every week. Um, in verse 13 of Ezekiel 38, it mentions that Saudi Arabia will protest this Russian-Iranian-led attack against Israel, which is for the purpose, we're told, of taking a spoil. So wouldn't it stand a reason that the hook that is placed in their mouth is that of this natural gas fine, which is now, as of last week, believed to be three times triple the amount. Do you remember when I uh, shared, this is a while back, I actually um, had heard it from Amir Sarfati. Uh, he's a, a Jewish brother in Christ who's a Bible prophecy teacher. You can get his, uh, you can uh, download his app, Behold Israel. Behold Israel. It is, he is, I love this guy. Um, he uh, was privy to some information, this is a couple of years ago now, uh, where Putin had a meeting with Netanyahu, and Putin was willing to throw Assad and Syria with him under the bus, so to speak, in order to get a stake in the natural gas that Israel had found. And Netanyahu rejected his proposal. <laughs> and so Amir uh, Sarfati made the comment, he said, so now... What Putin could not get from Netanyahu, he will take by force. Hence, the Russian-Iranian-led attack against Israel 
for the purpose of, as one suggested, take the SP off of spoil and you get oil. You remember back in 2008 when out of nowhere uh, Russia invades Georgia. I'm not talking about uh, the U.S. Georgia. <laughs> I'm talking about Georgia in that region of the country. And uh, the question was, why? Well, because the major natural gas line that supplies natural gas to that whole area geographically is located in Georgia. He wanted it. He wanted it. Don't ever underestimate this Vladimir Putin. Don't ever underestimate this Vladimir Putin. I know some people speak very favorably of him. Uh, he's a very dangerous man. He's a very dangerous... Oh, but I heard that he bought his uh, Jewish teacher uh, an apartment in Israel. Uh, and, you know, he's very uh, pro-Israel. <laughs> Not. He's very pro-Israel's natural gas and oil. That's what he's pro-Israel about. Well, suffice it to say, it's going to be very interesting to see what develops in the upcoming days and weeks. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm kind of all over the place here, but um, I want to get back to uh, the Antichrist uh, controlling a one-world government, religion, and economy. Uh, I would suggest that once the Antichrist has gained power, uh, he will also use this power to control the world economically and religiously. In other words, when he gets this governmental control, he will also uh, control the world economically and religiously. As for a one-world economy, Revelation 13, verses 16 and 17 tells us that he will implement a mark without which nobody can buy or sell. And it will be uh, on or in the forehand, on or in the forehead. Now, two things that point to this prophecy I believe being fulfilled is first, the technology exists today for such a mark to be uh, implemented. And it has. The technology has been available for this and it's just a matter of uh, implementing it. Here's the second one. Um, I believe that what we're witnessing with regard to the collapse of the world's currencies, which I would argue seems imminent uh, and which will in turn usher in this cashless system, uh, I believe that is the telltale sign that we are so close to this prophecy being fulfilled and the Antichrist being revealed. Back on February 8th, Forbes published an article titled Cheap Oil Edging you uh, edging us toward global economic collapse. Now, connect these dots, yeah? Uh, cheap oil and economic collapse. Everything we read about, it's all interconnected. All of these prophecies are intersecting prophecies because all of these geopolitical developments are uh, interconnected. Interestingly, on the same day, February 8th, CNN ran an article titled Global Currency Collapse, Winners and Losers, in which they state, and I quote, 
global currencies are crashing left and right. Well, yeah, but Pastor J.D., the stock market was back up this last week. And there, there was some gains, you know, this last, last week. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, let me just say this in love. My hope is not in the stock market. And my hope is not in this world. And my hope is certainly not in money. My hope is in the Lord and his soon return for his bride. Well, this brings us to Revelation 17, verses 1 through 18, which is a description of the one world religion using the metaphor of the great harlot. Now, speculation abounds as to what this one world religion will be like, but one thing is certain, it will be under the control of the Antichrist. Um, I have a, a scenario that I think is very plausible, that the Antichrist, when he uh, by force enforces the seven-year uh, agreement, peace agreement, he will allow Israel to rebuild their temple. And somehow, specifically centered in Jerusalem, uh, this one-world religion will be such that Muslims can worship, um, the, the, uh, uh, the Christians uh, on Sunday can worship, the, the Muslims on Friday, the Jews on Saturday in their temple, and the Christians on Sunday. And it will all be centered there uh, in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount. Somehow, I don't know exactly the, uh, the details of how that's all going to play out, but that's what it would seem uh, to indicate. And by the way, there was a video that was uh, uh, produced in January uh, where the Pope, Pope Francis, had all but stated uh, that uh, the world now needs to come together as one world religion. Uh, and he, of course, made the statement, which was not a surprise, uh, Pope John Paul II, uh, before him, uh, I have photos of him kissing the Qur'an, kissing the Qur'an. And he has made, in fact, in 1995, Pope John Paul II brought together all of the world's religions to all pray to the same God. And here's Pope Francis in January saying that uh, Muslims and Christians worship the same God. So, somehow... There's going to be this one world religion where all of a sudden now it's all universal. And one, one final thought, the word Catholic means universal. You know how I found that out? You learn something new every day, right? Uh, this was many years ago. I was taking my wife out. Uh, it was on Valentine's Day, and I took her to dinner before our Saturday night uh, prayer meeting at our church. And... Uh, the the waiter was like, hey, are you guys doing anything you know special for Valentine's Day? You know, and I said, well, after dinner we're going to go to church. He was kind of like, church. And then he said, are you guys Catholics? I said, I was dumbfounded. What what is there something that I have ashes on my forehead? What I mean, I, you know, why would you ask me that question? And he said, well, Catholic means universal, all religions. And it was one of those moments where I bit my tongue. I, <laughs> I wanted to go into this whole, I was going to give the guy a prophecy update right then and there. Dude, do you know what you're saying? <laughs> but I didn't. My wife was giving me that look. Don't, don't do it. 
the chef will spit in our food. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> well, it does seem that there's going to be some form of a world universal religion under the control of the Antichrist. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> For those of us who are born again of the Spirit of God, we're not going to be here when all of this comes about. And this because uh, we're going to be raptured first. Um, let me say this, and I, I've said this before. I'll, I'll never tire of saying this, actually. It, it's been said that actually the rapture is a, a signless event. And what that means is there's nothing that has to happen before the rapture happens. This is why we call it the doctrine of imminence. But there are things that need to happen before everything else happens. Example, before the one world economy is implemented by the Antichrist, not only do the global economies have to collapse first, but also, before the one world government is brought under the control of the Antichrist, the global governments need to collapse as well. Now, I ask you this question. Uh, just here in the U.S., and by the way, there's going to be elections in Iran as well, upcoming. But I ask you, in terms of the government of the United States of America, um, do you see that as, as being possible? That the United States of America governmentally and economically could collapse? I do. I do. I think of what Jesus said in Matthew 24. These things must come to pass. In other words, it has to happen. And not only does it have to happen, it has to happen first. If you were to ask me what one of the main reasons was that I was so convinced that we're so close to the rapture, this would still be at the top of my list. And here's why I say that. And I need you to think this through with me. What we are witnessing in real time, right before our very eyes, is just the beginning of what's ultimately fulfilled during the seven-year tribulation. Now stay with me. If we're witnessing that which finds its fulfillment during the seven-year tribulation, now begin to come to pass and the rapture has to happen first, then how close are we really? Is this not Luke twenty-one twenty-eight, one of my favorite verses where Jesus says, when you see these things, keyword begin to come to pass, look up and lift up your head for your redemption draweth nigh. What things is he talking about? All of these prophecies that were given, where Jesus said, I tell you what's going to happen before it happens, so when it happens, you'll believe. And believers, when you see it begin to happen, that you'll look up and lift up your head, because that means I'm coming to take you out first. Well, Pastor, um, I had a friend of a friend of a friend tell me that they're rethinking the pre-tribulation rapture. Just as I said that, I looked at the clock and I realized I shouldn't have said that <laughs> looking at that clock because I don't have time to refute it. I get, I get emails and comments all the time from people saying, you know, um, there's this battle going on. I don't know what to say. They're telling me that 
um, you know, being pre-trib, it's a, it's a false teaching. And that those who believe in the pre-tribulation rapture are going to be really disappointed when it doesn't happen. And a lot of them are going to fall away from the Lord. To which I just would say, well, I won't tell you what I would <laughs> What I would simply say is, that's not what my Bible says. That's not what my Bible says. And if you really believe that the rapture takes place at any time other than prior to the seven-year tribulation, then God forbid you do this. But here's what you would have to do. You would have to tear out of your Bible large portions of Scripture, Old and New Testament, Old and New Testament, to come up with that. Yeah, but I heard that it was just back in the 1800s that they started talking about the rapture, to which I just sort of, again, I'll be nice. I just say, well, that's, that's a surprise. I didn't know the Apostle Paul was alive in the uh, 18th and 19th century because it was the Apostle Paul who first talked about the rapture. Oh, but not the pre-tribulation rapture. Oh, well, you say the 1800s? Is that B.C. or A.D.? Because in my Old Testament of my Bible, uh, I actually see a pre-tribulation rapture in the book of Genesis. Yeah. <laughs> His name? Enoch, who walked with God and was no more, for God took him. And Enoch was pre-flood. Enoch was raptured pre-flood. Israel, Noah and his family, a picture of Israel. They go into the flood and are saved in the midst of the flood, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In the midst of the, by the way, seven times hotter furnace. Seven, not six, not eight. You'll forgive my cynicism. Seven, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are saved in the midst of the seven times hotter fiery furnace, just like Israel will be saved in the seven-year tribulation. Where's Daniel? Oh, he's pre-furnace. Yeah. Again, you'll forgive my silliness, but... Uh, Daniel, prior to the seven times hotter furnace, is exalted, taken up to a high place, and as such, he's not there. A picture of the church. Oh, how about Joseph? You want to go back to Genesis? Let's go back to Genesis. How about Joseph? He takes a Gentile bride. Wow. A Gentile bride. Sound familiar? Yeah. Pre-famine. I... Pre-flood, pre-famine, pre-furnace, and that's just three of many types in the Old Testament where the pre-tribulation rapture is mentioned and taught in Scripture. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. I did. It's too late. <laughs> Got it off my chest. Maybe I should just close. Yeah. Um, 
The rapture of the church of Jesus Christ has to happen before the seven-year tribulation. So help me, God, it has to happen. I feel better now. Let's close with Romans 13. Because this tells us what to do about it. If the rapture is this close, and it is, by virtue of the fact that we see prophecies that are ultimately fulfilled in the seven-year tribulation coming to pass now, and they are, what are we going to do about it? Do this. Understanding the present time. The hour has come for you, and I'll try not to blow out anybody's speakers online. Wake up! Wake up! From your slumber! Here's why. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. And I'll add, before it's too late. Before it's too late. It's almost here. Our salvation is nearer now. Our redemption draweth nearer now. You need to wake up. Wake up from your spiritual slumber. The hour has come. Don't hit the snooze button. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you hear the sounding of the alarm, you need to wake up to the reality of this present time. We are at the last moments, the last seconds of human history as we know it. And the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the church, which can happen at any time. Jesus said, in an hour you expect not. Once you all stand, we'll pray. Appreciate your patience, by the way. Loving Heavenly Father, I, I am so thankful to you for the privilege that is mine every week to talk about Bible prophecy. And Lord, I'm so thankful to you that when I teach your word, I can teach about the blessed hope that when that trumpet sounds, soon and very soon, the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet you in the air. Lord, I don't think there's a one of us that can hardly wait for you to return and take us out of this world. But Lord, I'm also aware of those to whom this is terrifying. And it's terrifying because they're not right with you. I pray that today, whoever they are, whether they're here in this church or they're watching by some other means online, I pray that today they would get right with you, that they would repent, wake up, call upon you, believing in their heart and confessing with their mouth, that you, Jesus, are Lord of lords and King of kings, that you rose from the dead, paying in full for all of our sin. Lord, I pray that they will, will today. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's a smile.
Hi guys, welcome to Chosen Explosions End Time Prophetic Revelations. My daughter-in-law, Latoya, her mom, had um, a dream that was very much prophetic. And uh, and it's just uh, plumb full of symbolism. And I want to um, talk to you about this and break it down for you. But I'm, first I'm going to let Margie come and uh, tell you the dream that she that she had herself, and then I'll come back and give the interpretation. Hello, everybody. I'd like to tell you about a dream that I had. The whole family and I were on our way to a church. I believe it was in Tennessee. I'm just not sure. And on the way, I started feeling very, very ill. And all of a sudden, I just threw up three long tapeworms. And the one thing about these tapeworms was there was one eye, only one eye. Well, I put them in a jar. But everywhere I went, that eye would follow me. So we got out of the car. And we went on up the steps and we went in the church. And inside the church, uh, we were listening, you know, to the pastor and everything. And then all of a sudden we heard a noise and we looked out the front door and there was a flood coming towards the church out of nowhere. And in this flood was debris and cars and everything. In the meantime, Evelyn said, we've got to go. So I was headed that way, and then this lady stopped me. And when she stopped me, I don't remember what she was talking to me about, but somehow I got left behind. And I said, well, I've got to go. Six of us went out that side door on the other side. Not the door Evelyn went out on. And when I got out the door, there wasn't any water anywhere. So I said, well, maybe I can go around to the parking lot, you know, and I can catch up with him. Well, that just didn't work. Because when I came down, the flood at the bottom of the steps had just split. There was flood on this side. Dryness on the side. And this man came to me and he turned, I said, I've got to get to Maryland. We've got to go to Maryland. And he said, I'm sorry, you can't go. And I'm like, why? He said, because it's flooded all the way up and you can't go. So I was still saying, Got to get to Maryland. And then I woke up. Okay, guys. I'm going to break it down now and talk about it. Before I get started, guys, this, um, this dream is very obviously talking about the church of Jesus Christ. I do believe it has uh, personal implications for Margie. But, but this dream is very much talking about the body of Christ the church and um the false church within the church 
and the outpouring of God's Spirit that I know that, I truly believe that it's already happening. That the outpouring of God's Spirit is happening in the lives of God's children now. Um, it's not anywhere near the fullness of what we're going to see. And uh, so I want to talk about that. But before I get started, I want to talk about, uh, you know what, let's just have a word of prayer first. And then I want to talk about the church. Okay. Father God, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for your love, for your presence, for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for your activity in the church, in your people, Lord. Lord, we thank you, God, that you are purging the church that you're setting, the church free, and you're taking us somewhere, God. You're doing a mighty, mighty work. And, Lord, we just thank you that you share your mind and your heart with your people in different ways. And, yes, Lord, dreams is one of the ways that you share your mind and your heart with your people. So, Lord, we just thank you for that. And, Lord God, I ask you right now, Lord, uh, Lord, that you would just give even me, Lord, and I've heard even talking to you, meditating on this dream a lot and talking to you about it. But, Lord, even now as I talk about it, I ask that you would give me even now a greater revelation, Lord. And, God, give your people, the ones that come to this video and hear this, Lord, give them a greater revelation even, Lord, of the things that you're saying. Lord, I ask you to illuminate our minds. Illuminate our minds, God. Lord, let us have the mind of Christ. Let us see things through your eyes. Let us perceive things, God, in a way that you would have us to. Lord, we thank you for discernment. We thank you for prophecy. We thank you for dreams and visions. Lord, we just thank you for you. We love you so much. We're hungry, and we want more of you. So we just say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come and fill the earth with your glory greater and greater, and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, guys, I want to talk to you a little bit about the church because I don't want people to misunderstand anything that I'm saying. And, um, guys, I love the church. I love the church. Jesus loves the church. He died for the church, right? And uh, we're supposed to love the church as well. And the church, the true church, is people, the brethren. That's what the church is. The body of Christ is people. And, uh, and yes, an organization of all of us, regardless of, uh, denominational, uh, divisions or any other thing, guys, we are one in Christ, the church, the true church, regardless of denominational affiliation, whether we worship in our home or we worship in a building or how, whatever. You know, however we worship God, you know, how, whoever we meet with and however we meet and, uh, and, and none of that really matters. And, uh, so I just want to make that clear, guys, that I'm talking, when I talk about the church, I'm talking about, um, all of God's people. And the Lord wants us to know that, uh, and he, he told me this very specifically and in many ways, and I'm sure he has you as well that the church is not pure, that uh, the enemy has invaded the church, and uh, the Antichrist spirit is in the world, true, but it's also in the church. And the Lord has made me very sure that the Antichrist spirit, the false Christ, the a false Christianity, false religion, is um, 
within the walls of the church. And we know that in the last of the last days, the Lord is going to take care of that. And that's what this dream is about. Mostly that's what this dream is about, is the Lord's solution, what he's going to do. Guys, we know that there's going to be, that division is going to come, and we pray for unity, and we talk about unity. And there's going to be a unity in the church, but it's going to be in the true church. And But there, before that happens, there's going to be a division, and there's going to be a great falling away. And that's going to be the separation of the true church from the false church. And as God's people, we need to understand that. And uh, so... So when I talk about the church, I'm not talking about buildings. I'm not talking about denominations. I'm talking about people, okay? And uh, whether or not we're a part of the true church um, is determined by what is in our heart. Have we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord? If so, you know, that is the Father's way of salvation. And, uh, guys, you know, there's only one way. There's only one way of salvation. I believe there's many roads that lead to Jesus Christ. But Jesus, he is the only way of salvation. He's the Father's way. And uh, for those who uh, are, are humble enough to submit, to the, not to Evelyn's ways, not to your ways, but to the ways of the Father, uh, those are the children of God, and those folk are the true church, and so that's who I'm talking about. And uh, the false church is made up of uh, many different kinds of people. You know, I believe that they're all planted in the church to uh, bring harm to the church, to slow down the church, to stop the church, to to uh, uh, to lead God's people away from God. And the church is full of that right now. But guys, that's not something that we have to. Uh, worry about, you know, that's a, that's a God-sized job. Only God can fix that mess, right? And he's going to, and we, we can have confidence in that. And I'll talk about these things more as I go through this, but I just wanted to make, make it clear that I am not condemning the whole church. And I'm not saying that, you know, I know you guys know that we do house church. We do house church because that's what God has led us to do. But we've worked in the organized church in church buildings for years and years. And we still do whenever God asks us to, tells us to, and we do do that sometimes. And we do have a ministry to the church. We're not absolutely not against the church building. Okay? So that's not nowhere near anything of what I'm talking about, guys. It's what is inside of a person's heart and what their motives are and whether they're truly born again. You know, and maybe they're in the church and they're not really the false church. They're just ignorant. You know, they have false leaders, so they're deceived. They've been led away from God. They don't even know really how to be born again and have a true spirit-filled life, a life in Christ, and it's not their fault, you know. Um, and the Lord is gracious and merciful, and, and he, he has a plan for those people, too. A great awakening is coming, and that's what this is all about. Okay, well, let me just jump into it. Um, now and start trying to break it down. There's just so much into it, and I'm afraid that I'm going to leave something out and not just not, you know that people might misunderstand what I'm what I'm saying that the Lord is saying through the stream. God loves the church. He loves all of the church, and there's good and there's evil in every single. That's what the Lord told me in every single denomination, 
There's false and there's true. In every congregation, guys, there's false and there's true. Okay? So we're not... Uh, not saying that any one, you know, any one segment of the church is false and another segment of, of the church is true. You know, that's not what I'm saying. God knows hearts, right? This, Like I said, this is God's job and he'll do it. Amen. Okay, the tapeworms that she threw up. The, the tapeworms are parasites and uh, they invade the body. And they eat up nutrients. Okay. They eat up nutrients and they, they cause the body to be malnourished, uh, and anemic. So that, that body is, is unhealthy. It's, and it's weak. And guys, that's the way many, let's break it down. God's people individually are that way, many of them, because the church has been invaded by tapeworms, okay? And there was three three tapeworms and that represents that represents the false trinity, that represents the false Christ. Okay? Um and she she threw these up and she put them into a jar. And the jar uh in the jar she saw one eye that was staring at her. And guys, again, this represents the Antichrist spirit. You know, every every demonic spirit is an Antichrist spirit, right? And any person who comes into agreement with those uh, false Christ spirits um, is a part of that. Whether they know it, whether they, you know, have will, uh, willfully, knowingly chosen that or not, they are. If they come into agreement with that, then they're they're against Christ, and therefore that false Christ spirit, that false Christ, we know that all of that leads to Satan himself. We know that. Okay, so the three parasites in the jar, again, that represents the, uh, you know, guys, I think of it as the, the all-seeing eye, right? And we know that, uh, we know that the, the demonic people, they love that, you know, really, you know, that represents the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit with the eye being the Father dwelling inside of us. But we know that uh, Satan, he's a counterfeiter. He mimics. He wants to be God. He mimics the true. And he ta he takes from the true and he contaminates it. And he uses it in the false. But that's what that represents. The, uh, the uh, you know, the, the um, false, all sin, I, Satan, uh, dwelling within men through demons. You know, we know that Satan himself is going to be incarnate in the in the the Antichrist, the man that's chosen to be the Antichrist in the end. At least that's how we you know we interpret the Word of God that that's what it's going to be. And uh, but right now, guys, demons indwell many people, and uh, and the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, indwells many people too. And, uh, and, and we know, you know, I, I teach on that, uh, kind of thing quite often. And, uh, we know that that is, that's demons' desires to indwell man, to get inside of men, and to get as much control in their lives as they can. And, uh, as we move into the end times and things get darker and darker, they're getting more and more control in people's lives who are, uh, rejecting the Spirit of God and accepting darkness. 
sin, evil, when you when you accept that, that's what you're accepting. You're accepting demons. You're accepting Satan. And that's not a good thing. Okay, so she threw that up. And guys, what that is saying, what that is saying is that God is purging the church. I believe that Margie herself represented Christians that are under the influence of that Antichrist spirit within the church. And, uh, you know, perhaps they desire to follow Christ, but uh, they've not been under the right leadership. You know, I don't want to make too many excuses for them because we all have the Word of God and we should read it for ourselves. And there's really none of us has an excuse for being deceived. If you ask me, if, if you have a Bible, then you don't, you know, you have the Holy Spirit if you're born again. You know, but, but you know, I do know and recognize that there's a lot of people in the organization of the church that's, that's under leadership that does not even teach no, of course they don't. They don't teach the true way of salvation. So there's lots of people that are in the church, and they're not bad people. You know, you know, they don't want to follow Satan. They want to follow God. That's why they're in the church. But they're under false leadership, and they don't know even how to be saved. They don't even know how to be born again. And so, um, you know, they're they're just following the pastor, the leaders of the church, but they're not leading them in the right direction. They're not leading them to eternal life. But... Um, you know, God is saying, and so I think that that's what Margie represents. She represents those in the church that do not know the true way of God, and they have been um, infiltrated, yes, you know, maybe uh, filled up with demons and or, or just under the influence of that Antichrist spirit. And But God is saying that a purging, I believe, I know it is, a purging is already taking place. Okay, a purging of the church is taking place now, but we've only seen the beginning of it. So, okay, so let's go to, she was in the car with us, and uh, we were on the way to a church, she said. And um, and I believe that the, the, the car itself represented the true ministries of God, you know, whether they're, you know, outside of the, the church buildings, you know, as we are. You know, even though we do, go, you know, my son leads worship every Sunday morning in a in a uh, a church building, you know, and he feels that God wants him to do that. Of course, he's he's you know our worship leader, but he helps this church out, and and we do that. But um, so you know, again, I'm not you know saying anything. You know that we're against the you know the traditional church buildings. God's going to use those, and. Many of those ministries, yes, they are. They, they're in just regular church buildings, and some are outside. And then, you know, it's, uh, again, you know, as a reminder, you know, we are the church. So the church is organizations, it's ministries, but it's also just individual people. And I know that God is raising up, and he's going to use many ministries within the the the, uh, the walls of the church and the ministries that are outside the walls of the church, you know, in the the marketplace, you know, on jobs and in every facet of society, he has his that he has had hidden. Guys, you know, uh, you know, maybe you feel like that. You feel hidden by God. You know, you feel like that you're incognito and that God has been training you and teaching you and uh, developing your character and showing you things. And, uh, and yes, he's using you some now, but, but you just know in your heart that you have not anywhere 
to come close to reaching the pinnacle of the things that God has called you to, well, you know, there there are many of us, there are many of us that know that without a shadow of a doubt. And, uh, and God is already using us to set many people free. Um, but like I say, this is just the beginning of that work, you know, just speaking truth and, and uh, people who are awakened. And that's what the car represented. And uh, she was in the car with us, and we were on the way to church, and she uh, vomited up those three um, tapeworms. Okay, so that's what that represents. It represents ministers and ministries that have open eyes and that are doing the works of God now, and they're teaching and preaching, speaking truth. And guys, the organized church is plumb full of this type of people. There's lots of good pastors. There's lots of good apostles. There's lots of good evangelists and teachers and prophets within the, was all within the organized church. And, uh, and there's lots of bad too. There's lots of evil ones too. You know, uh, you know, are there more of the bad than the good? I don't know. Only God knows that kind of thing. But, you know, I do know the things that God tells me and teaches me. And uh, so that I speak, and I'll leave all the rest alone because he hasn't told me beyond that, you know, as far as how, how you know, what the ratio is uh, in the church of, between the false and the true. But we know that both are there and are very active, and it's God himself that's going to separate and divide. Okay, she threw up the worms and uh, put them in the jar, you know, and it had that eye, the all-seeing eye you know, representing the false, false, false price. And uh, so then she said that, uh, you know, we got to the church, and I think the thing kind of changed. We were in the church, and it was after church, and, uh, and she saw the floodwaters coming. And we know, we know what, um, we know what that flood represents. That's the outpouring of God's Spirit. It's the kingdom of God coming. Great grace, okay? The kingdom of God coming in fullness. All right, we know that the kingdom is here. The kingdom is in us. And, and it's coming straight from the throne of God. I know a lot of people don't understand this. But guys, where do you think we get our water from? It's always coming from heaven, right? It's always coming from the throne of God. Filling us up, right? And that uh, we're constantly being filled and refilled. By the presence and the Spirit of God. And I've been in true outpourings that I know what it feels like. And I want to talk about that in videos, you know, in the future. I'm going to start talking about revival a lot because that, because God is leading me to. God wants me to. Uh, and I'm going to be doing some other things. We're going to be praying for revival. We've been working all that on all that. We're going to start doing some live streaming, but this really isn't the time to talk about all that. I'll, I'll talk about that at another time. But I just, you know, this is a work that God is doing, and he wants us on board. He wants us praying and uh, seeing and knowing and understanding what he's doing in the day, in, in this day. Okay. Um, the flood. Okay. The Spirit of God, his presence, revival, awakening. And she said that it was like it was, it was just violent. You know, it was just, it was, it was hard. It was rushing. There was debris in it. And, uh, and yes, 
guys, the kingdom of God can be rather violent, okay, when when, when it comes. It's, it's amazing, it's wonderful, and it's awesome, but guys, it brings judgment. We have to, we have to be mature in the Lord. We have to understand all sides of things and uh, be balanced in our understanding of things. And when the presence of God comes, it's the most amazing thing in the world. You know, this type of outpouring of God's Spirit, we we have God's presence. God's presence is inside of us. And when we worship, it gets stronger. You know, when we preach the Word and teach the Word, His it's presence gets stronger. And we have that presence. But I'm talking about a mighty Russian river and a suddenly an outpouring of the presence and the Spirit of God. And it's happened all throughout history. It happened in the Bible. It's happened all throughout history. But the greatest of revivals has not come yet. But it's coming in its fullness. It's coming now, but it hasn't come in its fullness. But it is coming now. But when it's the judgment part of that, guys, it it, uh, it judges us. The presence of God. It listen. The presence of God and sin are just not compatible. Okay. When the presence of God comes in, it convicts sins. It leads people to true repentance. Okay. It shines a light. The presence. Of God in this way, it shines a bright light upon us, and uh, and yes, it, it drives all that to the top, and uh, and it brings us to a place of repentance of sin, truly, truly seeing the holiness and the purity of God beside ourselves, and we see, we can see every unclean thing and once uh once that light is shined on upon it and uh, we repent of it it's gone and then comes the joy of the lord and we're so full of god's joy and uh and his love and that's the blessings of god and we'll talk about that in a minute but uh um i want to just finish up on the judgment it, it exposes darkness it exposes light it takes the blinders off of people and uh in the presence of God like that, you know, we, you just, you know, you can't, um, you can't, you, you either got to surrender your whole heart to God or you got to get away from it. You got to run. If you're not willing to surrender, when, when that comes, you got to go. You just got to run. And guys, I believe it's coming in such a degree that where will, where will, uh, sorry, where will we run to? Where will people be able to run to? Because I believe that the presence is going to fill the earth. But, uh, I do believe it's going to come in uh, in degrees and in measures, and I believe this dream shows that. I believe it shows that by that the that the um, the, the the water come to the steps of the church, and then it turned and it went to the right, and it filled that parking lot. But Margie said on the left it was dry, so that does represent the the left side represents the world, and at first it's not going to receive it. What's going to happen is, is uh, okay, it comes to the church steps, and then some of the churches will accept it. Many will reject it. The false leaders, they don't want the presence of God. They don't want that because it exposes their sin. It uh, it causes people to, the blinders fall off their eyes, and they can see the fake, the false suddenly, uh, you know, and it will cause People to want God and the, the, the false pastors will lose their hold on people and, uh, people won't care nothing about, uh, personalities in the church anymore. They won't care 
about uh, anything except the presence of God. They'll just want God, just just more of Him, more of Him, more of Him, and they won't care about all the you know the the politics of the church and any of that stuff. And and the false leaders think about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, how they lost control, and uh, they didn't like that. They became jealous and they were afraid and they didn't want to lose their position and they didn't want to lose the money that was pouring into you know into the church. But you know you know. You know, we also see that in times of revival, that causes people to want to give, okay? You become very generous, and you want to give, but you have the eyes to see that you're not going to give that money to false leaders, to, you know, to uh, churches that's under the leadership of the false. You know, people are not going to give it there. You know, they're going to make sure that it's going into the hands, just like in the in the New Testament. It went into the hands of the apostles. It went into the hands of, of God's true leaders that the glory was upon them and that, that they were walking and moving in the power of God. And that's the people, people, they, they, they brought everything they had. They sold what they had and they brought it and laid it down so that it causes, you know, it don't cause stinginess. It causes generosity, but it, but it just won't be going into the hands of the false because the eyes of the people will be open and they won't be following those people anymore. And so, the false leaders, you know, they don't want that. They absolutely do not want that. And they're going to resist it. They're going to say no. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been in a church. I have where the Spirit of God began to move and the leadership shut it down. They didn't want it. And uh, and I tell you what, when that happens, you know without a shadow of a doubt that, uh, that they're false. Okay? Because if you're born again, you want God. Or either they're so backslidden that they can't see anything. You know, but I just, you know, I just have to go ahead and, and believe in my heart that they're probably false if they reject the presence of God. Because if you're born again, then you, you know, you love God. You know, you know, there's something deep on the inside of you that you just do. You love Him. And when, uh, you know, you might be in a black, backslidden state, but when God's Spirit, when His presence comes, then, then you, you know, you want to get right with Him. You want to be right with Him. You know, you, you love his presence. You want his presence. You know, but it's those people that don't know him. They just don't know him. They're not born again. Or, or you know, and they, or they're like that and they actually literally hate him. They, you know, they know who they are and they know that they follow Satan. They know whose side they're on. I think most of the false church don't really fully understand, don't understand. They think they're serving self. Okay. They're doing it for all the wrong reasons. They're in the church. You know, because maybe they think it's a cushy job. They're able to make money that way. Or they want to manipulate people. It's, you know, sheep can be dumb. So it's a, you know, it might be an easy place to manipulate some people. And, uh, or, you know, for, for really evil, you know, to, you know, for, for money and for sexual things and, and, and all of that. And so, you know, there's just, there's a lot going on there in the, in the false church. But, I mean, there are truly some that, that they know who they are and they know what they're doing. But anyway, okay, so the water came to the steps and it didn't go into this church. So that means that that church represented um, the part of the church that is the fall church, okay? And in um, the parking lot off to the right side of it, that's where the water, the water come to the steps. It turned, it went into the right. Guys, this represents the true church right here. It represents the true church and their cars being ministries and the and the glory of God uh, around those ministries and those ministers and and that you know when the revival comes 
It's that it, the revival is going to go to the true church and it's going to refresh us and it's going to set us free. It's going to purge us of anything of the Antichrist, you know, the deception, the lies, take the blinders off. And it's going to just fill us up with God's fire to send the church out into every segment of society, into to all to the very four corners of the world, uh, into missions, and that's it's going to just explode in the church and set the true church on fire. And yes, there's going to be a separation, a division. So uh, you know, like I was saying, we talk about unity. Yes, there's going to be unity, but you've got to understand that it's not going to be unity between the false and the true. There is no unity there. Okay. But the true church and the false church are going to be separated and there's going to be unity in the true church. The true church, everything is going to fall away. All the divisions, all the, the confusion, all the arguments that, that the false church has had going in the body of Christ. Okay? And, uh, and just immature people as well. You know, immature saints that never grow up. You know, it's probably because they got, you know, those, uh, they got those tapeworms in them, right? This, this, this just keeping them anemic, weak, ineffective, not able to grow. So they're going to be purged. God's purging. They're going to be purged. There's freedom coming. And they're going to eat the right food, the good food, the ministers that God has prepared to give that. You know, and God has many prepared to do that. And, uh, you know, so I see the strain, guys. I see it as good news. I mean, this is really good news. And there's lots of uh, symbolism in it. Like Margie said, that out the, there was three doors. I can't even remember what. I know that three means, um, completion. Okay. I'm just going to read my notes because I can't remember. Okay. There's just, there was so much in this. Okay. Three represents completion, the completion of the church age and God's work in the church. Okay, the completion of that with uh, the end time things that we know is going to happen, the separation of the sheep and the goat, the, you know, the sep separation of the true and the false, and the army of God rising up. Guys in that right parking lot, that was the army of God. And, uh, you know, I want to say this too, that Margie was, um, she was trying to, she wanted, okay, so she was one, she was an immature, she represented immature Christians that had the Antichrist spirit within them. She was purged, it came up, and she wanted to go with the true church. She wanted to go, right? She was trying to figure out a way to get to that parking lot. And, uh, and she kept saying that she wanted to go to Maryland, and I'll talk about that in a few minutes. But she wanted to get to that parking lot. She said there was a woman that stopped her, and the woman uh, distracted her. And then there was a man, she went out one of the doors with six men out the left door. That left door, you know, the six men, you know, is the number of man. That left side represents the world, okay? Um, okay, so Margie represents, re represents the church that uh, is um, immature. So she was trying to get out there in that parking lot. To go with us, and I, I now I remember the, what I was going to say before. The man, uh, the man told her, "No, you cannot go." And guys, the woman that distracted her, and the man that said, "You cannot go," that represents God is telling us that um, that the false church is not going to let go easy. Okay, 
they're not going to let go easy. And they're not now. You know, they're trying to, those that are being set free from the Antichrist spirit, those that are receiving truth, those that are getting on fire for God, they're getting hungry for the Word of God, they're getting hungry for the presence of God. They want to be in perfect alignment with God. They want to hear His voice. They want to obey Him. Those people, um, the false church is not going to let them go easy. Okay, they're going to try, they are trying, and they're going to try to hold on to their power in their life, okay? But it's not, it's, it's not, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And we do need to pray for those people. You know, pray that their freedom will be complete. And they will go with the Spirit of God, what God is revealing to them in their heart, the truth. The truth. So that they will not reject Revival, awakening, renewal, refreshing, the outpouring of the Spirit. When it comes, they will not reject it. They will receive it. They will receive the Spirit of God. And when it, and somebody in the church says, don't be messing with those people, or they're just, they're just this, or they're just that, they're holy rollers, or they're just whatever. You know, I, I can't even think right now what all they might say about us, but I know they'll have plenty to say about us. They'll call us the false, okay? They will call us the false. You know, they'll say that we have demons, right? You know, they said that about Jesus, and they're going to say it about us. And they're going to try to great persecution. That's one point that I meant to make earlier that I forgot. You know, person, you know, yes, guys, you know, when revival comes, the blessings of God comes and all this. But, yes, persecution is going to come with it. But that's okay. It's worth it. You know, it's, it's, it's worth it. Just like... Uh, just like in the book of Acts, the church came under great persecution when the outpouring on the day of Pentecost came, the outpouring of the Spirit, great persecution came. But what happened? It caused the church to just be dispersed. And it caused uh, the fame of Jesus Christ, the, the, the gospel, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to be spread throughout the world. And uh, and that that's going to happen again. It's going to happen in such a measure that it's just completely going to blow people's minds. There was one scripture here. Let me see. Okay. Um, you know, one thing, another thing, guys, like I say, there was just so much in this. I'm trying to and I'm sure I will end up forgetting some of some of the things that I wanted to say about this. But uh, when revival comes, when the outpouring of the Spirit takes place, in in the magnitude I'm talking, guys, it's going to cause it's going to cause an even a greater rampant of evil. Okay, uh, you know, there's going to be execution of evil plans. Okay, plans that uh that Satan has had. And has been working in, in Satan's army. You know, Satan has an army. I talk about that sometimes. He has a mass army on the earth, and God has a mass army on the earth, too. Um, but um, the execution of evil plans, guys, and, you know, we're already seeing that, aren't we? You know, my goodness, that is, it's rampant already, you know, with terrorism. People, you know, have been cut off in explosions and just all these different things. You know, we're already seeing that, and we're gonna, it's, it's going to be more. So, uh, but and, and and this is why because there's a clash of good and evil because we are in the last of the last days. So you know we're going to see all kinds of things taking place. Um, but 
guys, we know who's in control. We know the one who's in control. And the reason the Lord tells us this stuff is so we won't be caught off guard so that we will know and understand um, God's ways and what he's doing. You know, he said that he wouldn't do anything without first revealing it to the prophets. And that's what the Lord is doing. And uh, he's revealing the things that's coming. And it should give us a, 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 a expectation and excitement. Guys, I'm excited about what God's doing. And uh, you know what? I hate this evil world. I hate, you know, I, I, I've spent a good bit of time lately in just deep intercession. Because because of the, uh, the evil, because of people being hurt, you know, Babies being murdered, God, and, I mean, in the womb and out of the womb. You know, it's every day in the news. You know, it's bad news every day, and it's just, it, you know, it just gets worse and worse. Children killing children, you know, children killing their parents, parents killing their children, and it's just, it's just so much evil, and the, all the homosexual stuff is just constantly being bombarded, and, and I, gr- I cry and I grieve. For for children, I, I grieve for youth having to come up in this atmosphere. Guys, if we ever needed that river, if we've ever needed the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it's now. It's now. And guys, in, the, in darkness, in times of darkness, that's when God does it. And he, but he's telling us. He, he, he tells us constantly. He, he reminds us and he encourages us that it is coming. And I know it's close. I know it's close. Well, let me take one quick look here and see if I forgot anything. Oh, yeah, one thing I wanted to say was the thing about Marilyn. She says she, you know, she felt like uh, that she was going to, that she had to get to Marilyn. Well, I looked that up. She also said that she uh, she felt that they were in Tennessee, and I really didn't see anything about that. You know, I didn't really get no revelation on that. So maybe some of you will. If you do, let us know. But uh, as far as Marilyn goes, um, I mean, just quickly, when I did some research on Maryland, it, it popped up that um, the Maryland Toleration Act. So Maryland represents spiritual freedom. Okay, that's what Maryland. You know, that's what the Lord was saying that He was taking the church to a place of spiritual freedom, freedom from the Antichrist that has had the church in chains, in bondages. For uh, all these years, the church is about to be set free. The church is about, we're going to Maryland. We're going, you know, going to spiritual freedom. The chains of the devil, listen, Satan is about to be judged. Evil is about to be judged. And I understand, I know, you know, that, you know, the whole, you know, there's, there's a lot coming down the pike. There still is. You know, yes, Satan is still going to have a heyday, a big old hoopla. Okay, but uh, he's going down, and it's not going to be too much longer. It's not going to be too much longer. He's going to be lost away, and we're going to be entered into the to the new age, to the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, the seventh day, the seventh thousandth year. We're about to enter into that, and it's exciting. And when is that going to happen? I don't have a clue. I do not know. I believe that God does not reveal that to people. He's never revealed it to me. And I believe the Word of God says that, he, that we will not know the exact day or hour. A lot of people try, and uh, and it does, and it brings a lot of harm to the body of Christ. 
trying to know something that God, I, I still say it and I believe it. God has not given us to know that. And if, if, if he tells us it's none of our business, if we keep pressing and pressing, trying to figure it out, guess what's going to happen? We're going to be listening to some demons. Some demons are going to be telling us some things. Okay, we're going to be deceived, even if we have the right heart. If we're trying to, if we're being rebellious, trying to know something that God hasn't given us to know, it's going to get us in trouble. So I absolutely don't do that. And I don't know when it's going to be. I believe as soon. I believe that, that we are at the, we're toward the end of the sixth day. And I believe the seventh day is going to be beginning soon. And so that's good news to me. That's exciting. And a lot of things are going to happen. But, uh, yes, judgment of evil is coming. Praise God. Praise God. And the church is going to be set free. The chains that the Antichrist spirit has put upon the church to make the church weak and confused and arguing all the time and all the bad things in the church. That is going to be broken off of us. That's going to be broken off of the true church of Jesus Christ. And that is so exciting, guys, because the bride, the true bride, is going to be made ready for her groom. And that's exciting. Praise God. I want to look one more time. I'm sorry. I just want to make sure. I was going to summarize everything, but I'm not. I'm just going to leave it right there. Um, exciting stuff. Exciting stuff. I hope this has blessed you. I hope it helps you. If you get more revelation and that you'd like to share it with us, then feel free to do so in the comment box. God bless you guys. I love you, and I'm praying for you. Bye-bye. All right, so I have an interesting vision to share with you today. I had this vision on February the 24th, 2016. So in my vision, I was talking with my husband, and he posed this question. Obama is from who? Then as I was thinking, he posed a question to help me. And then I got it, and I said, Cain. My husband said, yes, Cain, and we are from Righteous Death. Then the question came up. So does Cain's children or descendants go to hell and Seth to heaven? Then my husband said, well, we don't know. So let's see what we have here. Point number one. On one hand, we have Cain who went away from the presence of the Lord. He begot children, which one of them, Lamech, Lamech killed another person. And others who are known for great skills in war and music. So in Genesis chapter 4, verse 16 through 24, it says, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of that city after the name of his son, Enoch. And unto Enoch was born Irad. In Irad we get Mahuajel. And Mahuajel begat Methuselah, and Methuselah begat Lamech. And Lamech took him two wives. The name of the one was Ada, and the other was Zillah. And Ada bare Jabal, and he was the father of such that dwell in tents, and of such, and, and of such as have cattle. And his brother's name was Jubal, and he was the father of all such as handle the harp and organ. And Zilha, she also bare Tubal came, 
an instructor of every artificial in brass and iron, and the sister of Tubal Cain was Nama. And Lamech said unto his wife, Ada and Zillah, Hear my voice, ye wives of Lamech, hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a man to my wounding, and a young man to my hurt. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold. So, Cain's children, according to the Bible, are men of renown. Just like we have here, okay? So, men of renown, celebrities or stars. So, look at this picture of Obama's, some of Obama's genealogy. Here you can see he is related to the celebrity Brad Pitt. And if you do some research, you will see he's related to some of the USA presidents as well. So here in this website, you can see that um, some of Obama's cousins include six U.S. presidents, which is James Madison, Harry Truman, Lyndon Johnson, Jimmy Carter, George Washington Bush, both of the Bushes, um, and uh, through a common ancestor, uh, Maureen Duval, something like that. <laughs> okay, so, uh, so, so, okay, so now we can see from, from all of this information that the vision is accurate. Also, three times the Lord compares us to them through dreams and visions and confirmed it to us that we are, point number one, Israelite children of Abraham, but they are Egyptians. Point number two, we are Levites, and they are the elite. Point number three. Now the Lord says we are the children of Seth, and they are the children of Cain. So what are we doing now? Preaching. And what are they doing now? You get it now? Okay. So next, on the other hand, let's go to Seth now. On the other hand, the Bible states that it was the children of Seth that men began to call upon the name of the Lord. And Genesis Chapter 4, verses 25 through 26, it says, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son, and called his name Seth. For God, for God, she said, hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. And Enos, and then man began to call upon the name of the Lord. Now, the next point here is that our Lord Jesus Christ, himself a Jew, which genealogy came through the line of Seth, as you see here in this picture. So, in Luke chapter 3, verse 38, it says, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. So, this is another confirmation that we are of the children of Seth which is both physical and spiritual. This means we are physically of Seth's righteous seed and spiritually the Lord's because we are in Christ believers as well. Now here comes the big question. Do all children of Seth go to hell, I mean to heaven and, uh, and all children of Cain go to hell? Just as my husband stated in the vision, we see that a line cannot be drawn to guarantee either side. This is what the Bible says about this in 2 Timothy Chapter 2, verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth 
the name of Christ apart from iniquity. So speaking of those who are known by God are those who love God. What does the Bible say about this? Mm -hmm. Okay, so the Lord knoweth them that are his. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3. So how do we know those who are God's? It says, but if any man love God, the same is known of him. So those who love God are known of him. Now, how do we know those who, how do we know we love God? Are those who keep his commandments, as it states in John chapter 4, verses 21 and verse 23. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, If any man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Right, so this is Ashley from Chosen Vessels. Until next time, blessings. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Minister Paul, a watchman on the wall for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who was and is and is to come. Saturday, 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, February 27, 16. I'm in Northern California. I want to show you something here. And then we're going to go to the Word of God. I'm praying for everybody, friend or foe family or, or enemy today should be a day of prayer and fasting weeping and lamenting something is about to happen things are shifting in the spiritual realm there's a separation occurring there's there's the separation is this it's it's truth or error and i see a line being drawn you know to where you're either going to stand for the truth or you're going to stand for error there's a separation happening in the spiritual realm. And my prayer today is that we could all come to the unity of faith and, and, and act in love. I want to I show something that happened in real time. Prophecy used to take hundreds of years to be fulfilled. And then, and then in modern times it was few years, few months, few days. Now it's in real time. Real time. Prophecy being fulfilled in real time. And what this the Lord has showed me is that the Lord is shortening the days. In regards to Jesus matters. Just that alone. For the eighth state, he said, there is no eighth state. Don't go out. Make the proclamation of Jeremiah 36 from your home. Don't go out. God's not playing. And we must heed his warnings. And the warnings from his true messengers. So now I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let this all speak for itself. Let's let's humble ourselves and pray. Let's submit to God and resist the devil so he can flee because Jesus is at the door. This is Minister Paul, a watchman on the wall for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who was and is and is to come. It's February 26, 2016, and it's 9:41 a.m. and that's. Standard time and 
9.41 a.m. February 26th. An angel gave me warning numbers of 3-7 in my dream. I've been sharing that for four years. I said it was 9.41 a.m. Rewind it and check it. That was through the, the Holy Spirit. All glory to God. This article posted at 3.37 p.m. The warning numbers agent gave me. This man killed his whole family. And he had a gun to his head after he killed his family. Within a minute or two of me warning of a mass shooting. A minute or two. Nine forty one was my second take on the video. The gunman said at nine thirty seven he had a gun to his head after he shot his family. Nine three seven nine four one. Story posted three three seven. I believe this speaks for itself as to where we're at in the end times. Now let's go to the Word of God, amen, and let the Word of God speak for itself and interpret itself. 